just made me so happy. Yeah. I like Tom. I mean, what else are you going to do? How could you not? I hope this happens over and over again. Hello there! You are listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast for... What? You're next! Games. Games. My name is Tom Chick, and... Did I say Games Podcast? Ugh, do-overs. Start all over. What was the theme song? This is the... As the quarter three movie podcast for your next. We had listeners. My name is Tom Chick. I am here with Christian Mazransky. Actually, around the office, they just call me Wingard. <laughs> What's that? Ah, another like an inside joke that nobody but me and Dingus would get to to bring the listeners into the fold. I always talk. love that. Now, we'll tell you guys what Dingus meant shortly, but first, we have a tagline for your next from Kelly Wand. It's like Home Alone, but if Macaulay Culkin and and if only <laughs> Jeez, yeah, no, no spoilers there. Boy, boy. <laughs> Man. Jeez, Wait, I was so lines. careful, I was so careful, my, uh, Jesus. Well, all right, maybe you haven't seen uh, your next, in which case you probably heard a lot of bleeps instead of the tagline. (laughs) Uh, If you haven't seen it, stick around for a second. We're not going to spoil anything just yet. We're not? I misunderstood Uh, that. So, Dingus, in case folks haven't seen your next, uh, (laughs) how would you tell them what we saw this week without ruining anything for them? Oh, without. Sorry. That's all right. Well, this week we saw your next, uh, as in you apostrophe re next, uh, a 2013 or 2011 American slasher horror comedy movie. Dingus, about, hold on, hold on, Dingus. You know the rules. It's the it's the year that it was. It had a theatrical release in North America. Uh, yeah, I totally know that, and I'm I'm counting on that, but. I keep seeing things that say 2011, and it's freaking me out. Yeah, IMDb just points out, like, it, it first screened in Toronto in September 2011. IMDb gets hung up on that. But for real people, for, you know, everyone else who doesn't go to the Toronto International Film Festival, this is a 2013 movie, and if you're, like, making a list of, oh, movies I liked in 2013, this would be eligible. <laughs> That's what it sounds like when I'm doing that, by the way. As opposed to what we do. <laughs> Wikipedia also says 2011, and I'm getting a a little annoyed. Well, yeah, well, that's Wikipedia for you. If you use that for, for information, you deserve what you get, Dingus. Ouch. All, <laughs> All right. right, so I cut you off. What kind of movie is it again? It's a 2013 American slasher horror comedy movie. Hmm. It's comedy. Um, well, I, I meant to actually ask Tom if I should even use that word, because it might have been a spoiler, but once Kelly opened the floodgates, meh. Uh, this is a movie uh, about some animals that attack a house. <laughs> You make, wait, so it's not much different from, like, Three Little Pigs as a fable, basically. Really, it's it's not, except they're not all pigs. I mean, that's really all you have to go on. <laughs> it would be like if Three Little Pigs, if that fable were about a pig and a couple other animals, like, I think, a, a ferret and a muskrat. Because I'm not sure if you know Three Little Pigs, but the Three Little Pigs aren't the ones who attack the houses in that what? fable. <laughs> wait. <laughs> that's the retcon. <laughs> that's the George Lucas version. <laughs> wait, there's a, there's a sweet little wolf who lives in a house with his grandma. <laughs> And these three pigs are like, hey, listen there. We're vegetarians, you jerk. <laughs> she wasn't that sweet. Anyway, uh, it, was, right, yes. it was directed by Adam Wingard and written mm. by Simon Barrett. Mm. 
It stars Sharni Vinson. Yes, Kelly Wand. Uh, oh, oh, that's her name. Uh, My a- apologies for the delay, then. AJ Bowen. Was... Kelly Wand. The fat one? He's not fat. Oh. <laughs> Just parts of his body are fat. Um, Joe Swanberg, Amy Simet. Which one was she? Amy. She played Amy. Oh. She, her, the, the actor's name is Amy. The character's name was Amy. It's spelled differently. Yeah, important to note. Oh, she was Z. Better real names. Kelly Wands is not. Z with two E's. All right, so, and Barbara Crampton. Kelly Wand? From, from <laughs> the reanimator? Yeah, from the reanimator days, right? Yes. Uh, don't get me started. Okay, I won't. We just did. Yeah. <laughs> Your next is rated R. What? For strong, bloody violence. Mm. <laughs> That's bloody. <laughs> that makes a difference, huh, scientists at NPR? Strong, bloody violence. There's no weak, bloody violence. I get the strong part. I don't understand why blood's bad. It's not bad. It's just blood. It's life, man. It's plasma. Good point. Uh, language and some sexuality slash nudity. Mm. I don't understand the slash. Oh, wait, I do. <laughs> Uh, your next did not do very well. Um, it it's it's actually, was next. It's the weakest opening for a horror movie this year. So think of all the horror movies we've seen from your mama or your mama, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> from all the horror movies we've seen from Mama all the way up to this point. Uh, your mama's next. <laughs> Sorry, I'm such a fan of, the, of that comic strip that I couldn't help. Uh, but, uh, the comic strip. It opened uh, with $7 million opening weekend. Um, oh, what? Nobody yeah, can have been. Not only that, Dingus, it's number seven in the top ten. Oh, so here, just... here are the six movies that uh, didn't even open this weekend. Uh, the six movies this weekend that beat your next at the box office. Uh, number one was Lee Daniels' The Butler. Ugh. Number, uh, hold on, Kelly Wan. Wait, wait to hear number two. Sad. Number two, we're the Millers. Mm, whatever. Okay, I like when comedies make money for some reason. That always. Well, there's okay, good because you'll be happy about the number four. But number three, uh, Mortal Instrument, City of Bones, and that's one movie, by the way. Like a boyfriend. It'd be so this awesome if, if every one of the numbers was somebody else's name in front of the butler. What? Like Lee Daniels, the butler. Adam Wingard's the butler, and they were just in the line. Well, here, here's a way to think of it. Number five, Dingus, was uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Edgar Wright's The World's End. That's what I wish we'd kind of seen. Number six was <laughs> was Pixar's Planes. Number seven. What? That's a real movie? I thought I dreamed that. Uh, <laughs> they just do every – wait a minute. Come on. No, it's not for you. It's for kids. No uh, and number – oh, no, that was number five. Number six was Elysium. Uh, what? Oh, what? Elysium beat your next? It did. Yeah. Why do I sound disappointed like a good <laughs> shit? All right. Continue. Sorry. Well, on Metacritic, as far as critically, which is the average ratings from various reviews, your next is at 67, but on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> movie is now. That was last week. That was the last two weeks in a row. It was 67, I'm telling you. That's a nice, safe number. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews for your next that are positive, 80%. Uh, That's right, Kelly Wand. Let's now spoil the movie. Hey, hey, maybe wait. you haven't. Maybe you haven't seen the movie. In which case, get out of here because we're now about to spoil it. 
And yeah, I, seriously, uh, get out of here. Go yeah. on. You get. We see you. We see you sitting sitting there. We're looking right at you. Yeah, Go nice on. try. Turn it yeah. off. Turn turn it not down. Off. 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 There. <laughs> Wish I could do it. Kelly one. Now that they're gone, why don't you spoil your next by telling us everything that happens in the movie? Um. You don't want to talk about trailers we saw or anything? I don't want to talk about this movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, let's spend ten minutes talking about Escape Plan. Uh, my comment about this movie that I couldn't help but already make, this movie makes me so happy that I love horror movies. Uh, hmm. Spoiler. Right. So, Kelly Wan, let's That's now ruin... That's not about a trailer, but all right, yes. Let's now ruin your next for everyone who, who hasn't seen it by telling them everything that happens in it. Your nepsis. <laughs> my what? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're supposed to guess what it was. Forget I said that. Yeah, let's go back. Uh, your Nepsis? <laughs> oh, wait, you know what? That's a, That would have been a cool idea to give away the script for. Is You pick, you have to guess what the Opsis is called. Although okay, no one knows what you're talking about. So, Kelly Wan, you apparently <laughs> did or did not hold a contest last week. No one knows. It's still a mystery to those of us on the podcast. Uh, all we know about this supposed contest is that the prize is a script that no one wants. Yeah, but three people said they want it. Okay, so stick around if you're listening to find out which of the three people who were maybe unclear about whether or not the pod, the uh, contest was happening may or may not have won the script that Kelly Wan may or may not send them. One person thanked us for getting it, and they, they weren't one of the three. <laughs> if that helps at all, you understand. Right. Don't <laughs> say hates me. All right. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched for a your nipsis. I, I like your idea. I already though. said it. You guessed it wrong even after I said it. That's how little you care about what I say. That's a good idea, though. Every week they yes, have to guess, but they, like, the. And every week they win that script. I'll just keep re Xeroxing it. Or making the opposite harder to guess. You you Is that how radio stations do it? They don't make it easier. You could have just sent a page. Oh, wait, that's a good idea. And then at the end, they have to, like, meet up with the other 129 million. Um. The trailer I was going to whine about was this movie. I saw like a PSA trailer for um, a Kurt Cameron movie that he wrote um, about Christianity, and it was called Unstoppable, which he named after a runaway train movie. Mm. Your nepsis. <laughs> Rock and roll. Kelly Wan, drive it like you stole it. Thank you, Tom. That's another thing I was – well, now it's happened. Stuff something in your nepsis. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, baby, that's what I call technically intercourse. How you like that shit? Uh, was it in yet? Ha, we're the best. Well, I'm going to go take me one of them showers. Can to join me? Might still have a little crazy foam left. No, I think I'll just wander around the living room looking shell-shocked and listen to CDs with my top open while Kelly Wan tries to memorize my anatomy and thinks, that actress is going to be my next later tonight. I'll leave him dead. Mildred, the shower's half over. <laughs> Uh, thought I'd come out and see what the no words in writing on my window okay deep breaths call police now fuck it I'll read them my intentions are to stab you subsequent to the last person (laughs) (laughs) the movie Who's in the shower right now? Hey, Misty, you write this? 
Oh, uh, yeah, that was for the person who finds your body, actually. You're supposed to read this one. <laughs> Forgot it was left-handed, sorry. Ah, uh, Southpaw. All right, let's see here. You think you missed a couple cues and subsequently. Also, I think you got question marks and periods mixed up. Also, what's with wearing the eyes wide shut mask if I'm going to be dead? Any? Ow, you stabbed me. Ow, you stabbed me again. What the? You cut my face in half. Ah. Uh, 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 uh. That feels kind of nice, actually. Would you mind if them bow? Oh, no, I wait. I meant eviscerate. I always get those two mixed up. Uh. <laughs> That's the only one, don't worry. Jerks. <laughs> hey, I'm the actor who shot Greenberg's girlfriend in House of the Devil. I think in this, my name's Enos. By the way, whatever my girlfriend's name is, I don't know how long we've been going out, but my family's super rich. Wow, you didn't know that? As we're driving to my parents' house, how did dude like me get you? By the way, happy anniversary. If I get killed off, Kelly Warren will continue masturbating, but slightly more dejectedly than normal. <laughs> Australian accent I can quote do and then every week there's another Australian actress I mean honey it's me the mom character played by the woman who got oral sex from a zombie head in the 80s were you in Kingpin also I think I heard a guy wearing a cat suit and cat mask holding a crossbow make a lot of creaky noises in a closet upstairs you know that one that creaks like everything we own. Hey, what's mom doing? Crying downstairs and outside instead of in bed with you like usual. Don't worry, honey. I just looked everywhere except the closet. <laughs> it didn't even say everywhere. Um, <clears throat> oh, Kingpin, I feel so foolish worrying about safety and trusting my senses. Yeah, I was going to check the closet too, but our fat son crept upstairs on tiptoe. <laughs> that scared me. So I figured the crossbow's fine. I'm on the Harvard-Yale rowing team. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> Did the Winklevoss twins suddenly go? <laughs> oh, really? Isn't that good? Thanks, man. Thanks, Tiggis. <clears throat> I could do it at will. It's the best part. <clears throat> I'm on the Harvard-Yale rowing team. I'm one of the oars. Number 11. Single-digit oars are for projected eight-figure incomes. <laughs> You've gained a lot of weight, Enos. I doubt there's a mausoleum and let alone a headstone large enough for you to hide from non-babysitters behind now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, most of it's bone muscle and undigested Twinkie. Is this your girlfriend? How does it feel to have sex with a fat man? Oh, you're Australian. That explains it. <laughs> We're on Gilligan's Island now. I found it. I found my inner Bacchus. Bacchus? Bacchus. B-A-C-H-C-H. I mean, <laughs> where's some other characters? Enos, how'd you meet an Australian? I thought they were extinct. I guess, Ma, you could say I got... Oh, wait, that's supposed to be Australian. <clears throat> I guess you could say I got T-A and T and A mixed up. I guess it would have made more sense to say actually. Let's rewrite this. This one time, I'll lower my voice for a passive-aggressive bob. <laughs> I said I heard the Australians are sideways down there. Yes, we are. Really? <laughs> and Mr. West, what do you do? Uh, I direct horror movies with architectural titles. 
Really? I prefer cameos. They're shorter, like commercials, which are like documentaries, but without all that information. That's why we only buy products that have documentaries about them, such as Thin Red Line, Show of Fast Food Nation. I believe you mean Thin Blue Line. Red's the Terrence Malick thing about Guatemala. Listen, Mad Maxine, when I want color correction from you, let's see in your tawdry hemisphere's direction. <laughs> Is that a guy outside wearing a cat mask, aiming a crossbow? Hold on. <laughs> Who can even aim with that thing on his face? <gasps> Help, Eek! I'm allergic to cats. Don't worry, Dad. I placed ninth in non-razor wire track and field last year running. Wait, fuck that up. <laughs> Don't worry, Dad. I placed ninth in non-razor wire track and field the last year running. I can do this. You fuckers messaging me. I mean, honey, promise me you'll be careful. The rhododendrons are right by the human chessboard hedges. Don't worry, Mom. With gumption of whatever our family name is, can accomplish any... Whatever my daughter's name is, no! (laughs) What is it, Crampton? (laughs) That's him talking as well. I don't understand. This movie's called You're Next, but we're getting picked off in no order at all. (laughs) I know this hasn't been the greatest weekend so far. Your Anise has been founded six times in a row, and we've all been making things worse, being dipshits or evil. But this time we're going to make it up to you. Here, catch some Z's in this bedroom we didn't check. Here, we'll lock you in. But how can I sleep? Are we calling the police? Maybe I can help. Right. I just walked down to the neighbor's place with impunity because I grew up in a survivalist camp. Seriously? Wow, now our relationship makes even less sense. I also saw the words your next spray painted in strawberry frosting on their window, but I don't think it means anything. I hope you're right. Wait, I just hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope you're right, although since I wasn't listening, I just hope I hope you're right. Now, since you're the expert, you wait here. I'm going to run around in the snow till the reveal. That's the fact I'm talking, by the way. You don't want to have sex next to your dead mom with me? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Too hungover. Too hungover to write or read. I mean, <clears throat> you don't have sex next to your dead mom, Felix. I know Oscar would. Did you get that, Dingus? <laughs> yes. Oh. That chick's killed a bunch of you, and I'm in on it, and she's somewhere around, and I'm talking a normal tone of voice and giving it away? What the fuck? That bitch just stabbed my brother in the head with a Rubik's Cube. From now on, they're going right for these cat masks half. What the? Do you know who my father was? Trust me, you do not want to cross him. And your backwards penmanship on glass and strawberry frosting is a little to be desired. Fuck this, make it a third. What the? Fine. Just kill the Australian girl. Should have hired her to kill you idiots. Hello inside, is my girlfriend dead? Oh, hey, honey. Uh, uh, you were supposed to be the witness, and they were supposed to be random psychos. Not sure that really came across. Uh, <clears throat> where are my cohorts, Unger and Gothi? I stabbed one in the top of the skull with a blender, and the other, so they're in the top of the skull, the other one with a rusty pen knife. Uh, hey, want to get mare? Uh! Stabbing people through the top of the skull 101. That's what survivalism was all about. Hey. I mean, freeze. Damn. Uh, 
Cop number zero to HQ, we got a failed marriage proposal, 641, and some littering at uh, 15, whatever the street name is. Uh, call someone for backup over... Uh. <laughs> That's the end of it. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly Wand. She's tired. Kelly Wand, yeah. uh, did you get a chance to see A Horrible Way to Die? Uh, oh, was I supposed to? I mean, no, yeah. not necessarily. It's uh, the last movie... It was the movie that Adam Wingard directed and Simon Barrett wrote before they did this movie. No. Okay. Was it good? Uh, I've told you guys many times that I quite oh, that's like it. Color uh, girl, I was supposed to watch it. Sorry. That's what? I got that one. When you recommend two movies to me in the same podcast, I always get them mixed up. And you also said, oh, magic, magic. <laughs> and then... Oh, so you watched that? Oh, so yeah, you watched that. No, I, went, oh, I got two to watch, and then I didn't watch it. <laughs> too daunting. Uh, well, I, I've made it clear I really, really like this movie. It, uh, I watch a lot of horror movies, and this is those rare, I would say like rare one in 20, maybe not even that many uh, movies that I come across that just makes me so glad I like horror movies. You said it so gloaty in the, in the ad came at seventh. So I was pleasantly surprised. No, no, I'm really, I, I'm really disappointed i mean i'm not surprised uh i am bummed that it, it it's really frustrating that movies like like mama and um some of the other crappy horror movies we saw this year i mean the conjuring i could understand that doing Ugh. well and they they just market those so well this one really had a tough time selling itself um well it's about a bunch of dickwads getting killed off so um, and- and that came across even in the trailer. All they had to do was look at how Cabin in the Woods was marketed and do that. Mm, I don't know, because Cabin in the Woods even, I mean, was pretty circumspect. I don't even remember what the trailer showed. Uh, but both, and it's, it's not it's a similar, the same. It's a similar challenge, though, in that both movies present themselves as something at first – and what I really appreciate about both movies, and I'm glad you brought it up, Dingus, because I feel similarly about Cabin in the Woods. What I really appreciate about both movies is how they start, how ultimately subversive they are. Um, this wasn't subversive in the same way as Cabin in the Woods, but I really liked just how much Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett really love horror movies, really played on various tropes from the 80s, on the whole home invasion formula – even on their casting from A Horrible Way to Die, uh, there were just so many kind of almost love letter elements uh, in this movie um, that I just completely fell in love with. And so, no, I wasn't gloating at all, Kelly Wan. I would have loved for this to have done better, but it's a tough sell. I don't, I don't know what you else know what? Uh, going to do. I retract what I said. Actually, Kevin the Woods is perfect because in both those movies, they never sell out to the last – like even after the last shot's not a sellout of either of them. So it makes some harder sells, maybe, I guess. Um, well, yeah. I mean, they're they're just not as pandering uh, as something like The Conjuring. And The Conjuring is fine. You know, I think we all mm-hmm. appreciate certain things about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but The Conjuring is definitely it, – it's well done, but there's definitely a pandering element where it's just going to throw jump scares out. And even though it does some cool stuff with characters, it's ultimately a very, very conventional horror movie. Um, I was never scared during The Conjuring. Out of this, I felt at least unease – at the beginning when I was supposed to with far little less far little less Jesus far less put into it I think resource wise now Kelly Wand you've seen uh, VHS and VHS 2 I haven't seen the second one okay 
So here's here's my concern. Uh, Adam Wingard did a movie called A Horrible Way to Die, which, Dingus, you saw that this week. Um, we haven't talked a lot about it, but I'm assuming that that worked for you. Did you – would it without spoiling it – and by the way, uh, there's similar elements in A Horrible Way to Die in terms of how it's subversive, how it takes a conventional serial killer story and does some really cool subversive stuff, I, I feel. Um so I can kind of see the continuity between Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett doing A Horrible Way to Die and then doing uh, uh, Your Next. Um, so Dingus, having now seen both of them, uh, talk to me about your opinion on A Horrible Way to Die and Your Next. Uh, I really like the the tonal shift between the two movies. Um, I wasn't expecting that. I, I freaking love A Horrible Way to Die. I, I think it's just brilliant but you know part of that is that i love aj bowen so much um and and amy simon am i saying her name right amy simon i don't know that we ever figured it out Simit simon's let's just That's call her australian girl <laughs> Kill it once. Oh, oh, oh. she's the girl she's from upstream, upstream color. color sorry sorry yeah, okay. yeah. um i i love that movie uh but it's more serious than this movie um and it's just it surprised me in different ways uh, and I like what you're saying about being subversive but but man I wish I'd listened to you earlier because Horrible Way to Die is freaking crazily good I loved it so much wow it, it's so good it's just so good why don't more people know about this movie uh. Uh, and by the way I think I've said before I need to fix this uh, real quick I think I've said that Adam Wingard is from Alabama and he's actually from Tennessee so I'm Ooh. yeah ah fuck I, I apologize to everyone from Tennessee for not giving you guys credit for uh, one of your, what should be one of your favorite sons so. alright Dingus so you liked A Horrible Way to Die uh, fast forward having now seen your next how'd you feel about that and you know I also have to I, I have to say that um, this guy Joe Swanberg uh, is in that movie uh, doing something slightly different than he's doing here, but le- but a little bit similar. Yeah. Uh, and he's great. He's just so good. Um, oh, I I just love your next. I loved it. Um, I felt more comfortable. I mean, one of the things that's wonderful about seeing your next is seeing it in a in a theater with your friends. I mean, I really liked that. Uh, I don't know that I would have felt that way about a horrible way to die. It just has a different tone, and that's one of the things I I said just a minute ago is I really love that they moved from horror to slasher. I don't I don't think you would call Horrible Wind and I a slasher film, but you, I think you would call this a, 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 your next a slasher movie. And um, and I like that shift. I like that Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett said let's move over to this and make something that has other tonal elements to it and lighten it up a little bit um and i was i i loved it i was just i was i wasn't you know i'm an easy scare so i was freaked out during both movies and i was freaked out in the theater during your next but um but yeah i was crazy about it all right kelly wand that's uh two out of three so far heartily endorsing your next where you're maybe a tougher sell what what did you think about it overall Mm, it's really good but now I'm bummed I didn't. I was going to say go ahead and spoil Horrible Way to Die for me because you did warn me last week you were going to spoil it. Well, not spoil it. I no. just feel that we'll I, I, it. Yeah, I didn't know anything about I, Your Next. Actually, the, the only thing I knew about Your Next, I mean, I knew it was Wingard and Barrett. Uh, while I was listening to some talk radio, 
some idiot who was like reading the headlines real quick suddenly started rattling off what movies are opening this weekend. And before I even knew what he was talking about, he said something like, and uh, mask-wielding axe maniacs are in your next. And I was like, what? <laughs> Dead gummit. I didn't want to hear that. So that was mask all I knew. Building. I wouldn't have oh, wanted no, no. to know mask that. Wearing. Because when, oh, mask when, that, when that mask-wearing dude shows up, I first I thought, is that Jar Jar Binks? I didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> so I wouldn't have wanted to even know that. Well, well you is, think it's the strangers, and then it twists. And it is on the poster too, so I knew that the poster yeah. had some sort of freaky, like animal it's or mask. <sighs> animal Kingdom was a spoiler poster too. But, uh, but well, the, yeah, the Animal Kingdom spoiler was a, a review quote. I, I don't think that the the, the trailer mm. even. Uh, I mean, the, forget watching the trailer; you shouldn't. But I don't think the trailer is a huge spoiler. I don't. I don't think the the poster is a huge spoiler. Uh, spoilers are things like. And, and Dingus, I, it's cool if you want to do this, but I think it's kind of a spoiler to point out that it's a comedy. Um, and it's yeah. similar to, to – I don't want to talk about A Horrible Way to Die too much because it's really a, a fantastic piece of filmmaking considering it's only his second movie. Uh, he did a little tall, small thing called I think Sick House or Sick Boy or so, something I haven't seen. Um, a little tiny indie thing. And then he did A Horrible Way to Die, which is really shot – one of my favorite things about that movie is this incredible camera work where the camera is is such a stand-in for the main character's state of mind. And it's it's a very intimate movie. It, it doesn't pigeonhole easily. As you're watching it, it, it just looks like a serial killer movie. Um, but it's, it's really intimate. It's, it's about the relationships amongst the characters. Uh, and similar to your next, if you talk about what makes it special or how it turns out or the payoff, you're going to necessarily ruin the experience for people. So I'll just go on record as saying it's just an absolutely stunning piece of work considering it's this kid's second movie. Um, so I recommend A Horrible Way to Die. Uh, is that Stranding Girl in it too? Or is it? It's Amy Seamitz, no. jo- jo- Joe Swanberg, and uh, A.J. Bowen. Right. Uh, so it's the, the, it's, Crispin, Drake, and Amy. It's the son. The, the two sons who aren't the bad guy and the daughter in the family. Um, uh, See, and, the other thing that, uh, besides the camera work that I love about A Horrible Way to Die is the transitions that it does. With And, and um, Your Next does this a little bit at the beginning, but then drops it. Is this weird sort of fade to black as if we're changing radio stations. <laughs> Several times, Dingus says I was watching it recently. I rewatched it this past week as well on Netflix. I thought my screensaver thing was kicking yeah. in. I was like, God damn it, computer, <laughs> wiggling my mouse. And oh, that's edit. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking as I watched it. Because uh, Horrible Way to Die is on instant. And I thought, is something weird going on here? And I'm like, oh, that's the transition. But, but there's this weird sort of radio thing that happens when Garrett is in the car. And yeah. I got this feeling that what. Um, what he was, what Adam Wingard was trying to do, and I think he edited it as well, was trying to change radio stations in this guy's head, and he did that a little bit at the beginning of your next, and then he dropped it. Yeah, uh, they do also share a composer, Dingus. Uh, there, there are actually I think three composers listed for your next, which is appropriate considering they have that awesome '80s keyboard stuff. Um, but I think there's a there's a horn tone in your next that reminded me a lot of the really cool music in A Horrible Way to Die, and they share a composer who I'm assuming did that horn tone. Um, 
Well, the the music in Your Next is, I mean, I mean in um, A Horrible Way to Die is, I love that music. And the and the guy who did the original music is a guy named Jasper Justice Lee, who I don't I don't know I didn't recognize his name when I was watching the credits for Your Next, but I really really love the music in both movies. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to sort of parse like who did. It's getting more and more difficult to do that because I think of the way they're doing sort of the legal issues of of who's the music supervisor, who put the music together, who composed this, who composed that. I mean, it used to just be John Williams did the music and and everybody shut up. But uh, <laughs> glad we're past that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a new age, Tom. Thank God. Couldn't happen sooner. Good. Uh, so let's see. So uh, you're next. I, uh, I I feel that one of the problems with slasher movies uh, is that the victims in slasher movies are so rarely interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and furthermore, they have to do stupid things like wander off into the woods to get the story going. Uh, one of the things that I love about your next um, and in those cases, by the way, if you don't care about the characters, and that's an okay way to do a slasher movie, that's how most people do them. Uh, if you don't care about the characters, you're just watching for the gore effects, whatever. Uh, but but one of the things I really liked in this movie is by making it more of a home invasion story, by spending more time with this dysfunctional family, and especially with the casting. I mean, we've talked about spoilers uh, casting as a spoiler previously, where you know a certain actor is, is going to be the bad guy or is going to be the survivor. I love how subversive he was with the casting in this. Yeah. Um, first of all, anytime Larry Fessenden shows up in a movie, I feel like I am in great hands for the most part. Uh, Larry Fessenden, he's done his, his last few movies he's, di- he's directed, I've been really disappointed in, but just the guy's body of work and the movies that he supports. Whenever I see that guy, I just am like, yeah, great, awesome. Whoever you are, if you know enough to give Larry Fessenden a little part in your movie, you know, whether it's Kelly Reichardt or whether it's uh, Adam Wingard here, uh, I just feel like, yes, thank you, perfect. Or uh, uh, Brad Anderson in Session 9. So when we open on Larry Fessenden having sex with a hot chick, I'm like, awesome. This is what a great way to, to start your movie. Um, she looks like a child, but okay. Uh, well, she's, she's his student. She's like, we later find out she's a co-ed who, uh, you know. It's the theme of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and so then when we have uh, A.J. Bowen, Joe Swanberg, and Amy Seamus, I mean, the, fa- the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking, well, you can't, you're not going to yeah. kill Amy Seamus, of course. Right. Uh, and then they do. And then, uh, okay, we've well, wounded Joe Swanberg, you're not going to kill him, right? Although they give him a lot more to play with. But just the fact that I never thought that he would get rid of Amy Seamitz, that has huge impact when you're watching a movie, I feel. And time. Uh, it is the Janet Lee of this. I mean, it's very. Yeah. And how did they know to put the wire at that level? Yeah. Uh, that's right. It had to be just right, or it could have like hit her in the chest or on the forehead, and that wouldn't have been nearly as dramatic, right? <laughs> well, I, they, I couldn't they believe have... it when when they were prepping that scene, which is such a great prep. Where okay, <laughs> they're not going to expect her to come running. It was cabin in the woodsy. It was so great it's a motorcycle jump. And then I realized that they were going to do that, and I was just like, I can't believe you're going to do that because I love her so much, and you're going to take her away from me already. Right. Right. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, too, this was right after they had done A Horrible Way to Die. Uh, Upstream Color hadn't 
even started filming. Oh. I mean, this is way pre-upstream color. But even then, it's a love letter to you guys. Because you guys are going, well, we know who's safe, and then he's fucking with you. So right, it's right, exactly. Works exactly. for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, whole dinner scene, like, that's where it all goes down. Like, that's what I think is really good about this movie. Well, and even putting... Shifting. Putting Ty West in, too, mm-hmm. as this sort of really quiet, downtrodden, supposedly artistic visionary film guy who considers himself a filmmaker i mean what a what a great inside joke for for guys i actually i knew that he was a i actually thought that was adam wingard um i knew that it was a a horror director and i thought maybe that that was like todd phillips he has a director look like the goatee ty west does yeah well i don't think i've seen ty west as much as adam wingard and part of it too is in vhs2 and in a movie called ABCs of Death, uh, Adam Wingard put himself in his own uh, shorts in, in those things. Um, so you knew Tariq was some sort of cameo when you saw it? Absolutely. absolutely. All right. All right. Uh, and mm-hmm. I've seen Ty West before. Un- unfortunately, I don't think it's up there anymore. Uh, Ty West's IMDb page used to have him in this outrageous like bandana and sunglasses posing with a pistol, uh, which is just so uncharacteristic. <laughs> he's, he's such what? a mild-mannered guy. Oh, he had this ridiculous picture up on IMDb, but I think it's a legitimate picture now. Is he doing like the dictator or something? It's definitely, definitely looks. It looked something like that. Uh, so, Sounds like um, a hipster to me. Uh, but you know what? No, if you ever hear him talk, uh, Ty West is just sort of quiet and unassuming to a fault. I, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the casting in this I love certainly Barbara Crampton. I mean. Mm. Good lord, what what a, I love seeing like actresses, just people who relate to eighties horror showing up. That just means so much to guys like me and I presume you, Kelly Wand. Yeah, she was really good in it. Yeah, yeah. I felt really bad for her character. She just can't catch a break. And she well, looked so good. Good yeah. lord. Yeah, I was definitely thinking, come on, is that their mother? Well, I guess yeah. She's you know what? She's held together. Well, Sally Field was Tom Hanks's love interest and mom. Diane Lane is Superman's mom. Adopted. Um, what are you trying to say? <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I really like, though, about the casting, and this is something that is really hard to do, uh, is this whole idea of an unlikely hero emerging. Mm. And, man, I was so happy with Sharni Vinson. Yes. Who, uh, 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 she's, she's in a crappy uh, Australian horror movie called Bait, where she gets trapped in a flooded supermarket with a shark. But I don't remember <laughs> anything. Oh, is she- I don't, uh, they don't do much cheesecake stuff in Bait. Uh, but I don't remember any indication in Bait. I hardly even remember her, uh, that she was good. However... I baited during this. Kel- I beg your pardon. Uh, That's you soon. Kelly, do you have another you- sound effect that you can play right now? You played the <laughs> wah, wah, wah one. Kelly, how many Step Up movies have you seen? What was the question? I was shooting things. <laughs> so she's in the third... And I think it's kind of the weakest step up. Uh, but she ended up. <laughs> I love the yay. Oh, I'm so happy right now. That's what? the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And now I have to see it. She's in it. You tricked me. Well, she fills in for, and she's got a, a very similar oh, quality. But with the... Kelly, one, she's have to like watch them again to make sure. But <laughs> is that the 3D one? Yeah, it's the 3D one, and oh, she's, she's 3D. And she's in it. She's in it because she's kind of an Australian Brianna Evigan. I'll say whatever that means. Brianna Evigan's from the other Step Up. Uh, she went on to do some horror movies too. Kelly, when I would have thought you of all people would know who Brianna Evigan is. Come on. Uh, I well, will. Obvious, obviously, I'm talking to people who aren't qualified to know it. Like I'm listening to Dennis Miller do comedy right now. <laughs> 
So at any rate, I just loved that. I love what they did with Sharni Vincent and how you gradually, amongst the reveals about the different characters, they gradually explain why she's such a badass and how they demonstrate it. I love the scene of her talking to Z while they're putting the nails in the boards. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, just, just what a what a great bit of work casting. What a great job of teaching you things about the characters, killing the ones you don't expect to be killed. Um, and it just felt like watching one of these slasher movies in the '80s, where there's this all of this like blood and exploitation and titillating murder and gore and stuff. And at the end of it, this really cool female empowerment story emerges. Ugh. I loved that about this, and I loved how I wasn't really expecting it. What do you think your hair smelled like? That's what? what That's gross, Kelly. What? Oh. It smelled like it smelled like brain matter. Are you mm. serious? Come on. Yeah, her hair, little brain spirit. Like teen spirit. Oh god. Uh, and, and I would, I would, I just it, that image. I so appreciate it too when a horror movie director knows enough to give you an iconic image. And for me, it's Brianna Evigan, or Jesus, uh, it's Sharni Vinson uh, <laughs> standing in the window of that side house after she's dispatched the second uh, masked guy and she's holding the axe. And mm-hmm. she's framed by the window and she's just holding it across her chest. I mean, I, I think Adam Wingard just knew exactly how to show off this badass chick just in that one shot. Lucky axe. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, but you're right. And uh, see, the guy, the DJ, was fucking with you. That's he saw that and went, "Oh yeah, axe welding, cat wearing." Well, no, he was just reading some copy. But he was all wrong. He was all everything he said was dumb. They have crossbows. One of them does have an axe, though. That's where they get the axe, isn't it? He could have just said blender welding. <laughs> it would have been writer. But yeah, uh, she's great. What else is she in besides Step Up Three? <laughs> uh, vape. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, and that's that's another reason, too, that I'm disappointed that this movie only has a $7 million opening. I would have loved for this to have made you know, $15, $20 million on a slow weekend uh, and for her to get other great parts because she was really good. good it'll Lord, it'll, it'll make so it back on video. Wonderful if, if we could have her uh, put into every movie instead of Sam Worthington. I mean, I would love to see yeah. her. Avatar with her? Oh, my God. <laughs> or Clash of the Titans, or any any she's role that she too. does, I would like to see her put in instead of him because she's really freaking good, and she's she's not really kick ass, but she makes me believe it in that last scene when she's having an emotional breakdown. I, I loved her so much that you know I totally agree with what Tom just said. I would love for her to be able to blow up here. Yeah. Well, we're helping that. Well, you're right, Kelly. So, yeah, the movie will be fine. It's it's a micro budget movie. Uh, it's uh, but I, I would like for it to be a big success. Uh, unfortunately, that's not really going to happen. I mean, she'll probably do more horror movies. Maybe she'll luck into another great part. Remember um, when we saw Evil Dead, and I remember thinking, maybe I didn't say it on podcast, but it's like, where was the Bruce Campbell analog? Like I felt yes, it's that point of yep. the Evil Dead franchise, and in this. This is Bruce Campbell 2.0. Like she's oh, set up like a gold digging nitwit because mm-hmm. she's dating the right. So you agree with me? I, that's an excellent point. I'm sorry I interrupted you. You could have run with that uh, till the cows come home. I well, you saw it early, and I go, Tom will say it more eloquently. <laughs> uh, well, the, another reason this reminded me of Evil Dead, and I, I the original, like early that that early exciting the stages of Sam Raimi's early career. Uh, I really liked the way the action was choreographed mm-hmm. in this. Even though 
A lot of these things are familiar. We've seen them before. The reflections in the window, the creepy out. masks, the cell phone's not working, the camera flash. But yeah, exactly, Kelly Wand. It plays with even our familiarity. Even though it was stuff we'd seen before, I, I thought it worked great. And the, the various kills, the stuff with the nailed boards, the crossbow, uh, the, the grease, you know, the grease from the oven. Uh-huh. I remember that scene. It was just, I think oh, it was so good. hot water. But I remember that from, uh, from Straw Dogs, where he's putting hot stuff on the oven and in the movie there's this great idea of okay i know you've seen this before but we're going to screw with your expectations where she slings it at him and he says it's not even hot you dumb bitch and then he slings it yeah. that was such a great little bit of action choreography um the axe trap on the front door everybody everybody i think watching the movie remembers that and it's like okay oh uh, aj bowen's gonna come through no right huh. oh the right. killer's gonna come. no wait huh what about Cause, and the movie lets you maybe wonder if the movie itself forgot about it right and, yeah the movie knows that you remember and i just love how he introduced these gimmicks he played with them the payoff for them uh i, I yeah i just the idea it's a horror movie for the against the horror because it's like we see we, we usually see the victim traipsing right you don't know where the killer is and by the end it's like the killer's walking around you don't know where she is so it's like his horror movie and, and that, I think, is part of how it's subversive. And, and right. what happens is early on, because the actors are so good, partly, uh, is there's really a sense of just dread and unease and, oh, this is terrible and I don't like seeing this happen to these people, to a really fun, thrilling kind of ride by the time it's over. And yeah. it's almost like Adam Wingard is saying, okay, I'm going to make you feel bad, but it's going to be worth it because, by golly, you're going to be grinning like an idiot by the time we're done with this. You know, I'm going to put you through the ringer, and there's going to be this immense sense of relief and payoff, and it's even going to start to be funny. And even though you've seen yeah. this, these horrible things happen to these people, you're going to be laughing at one-liners, basically. Because Barbara Crampton's taking the bullet, literally. Like, she's making you bummed out so yeah. that it's even funnier. Like, cause, well, obviously, it's not going to be a funny movie. It's going to be a depressing slasher. Yeah, film. yeah. He slicks you. You know, it, the, all those things that you said were subversive, one of the things I loved about it, it's, it's a little touch, and it's something that I usually can't stand in these types of movies, is the uh, refrigerator door or whatever door scare. And he even mm-hmm. messed with that. Yeah. He even made, yeah. he even touched on that. that we, like when the, when the father is like tripping the circuit breaker, he even messed with that. Or when she, when Barbara is, is, or I don't Aubrey, I guess is the actual character's name, is closing the refrigerator door. He even played with that trope, and I loved it. All these little tropes, because by the time we got to the father getting his throat slashed, I was kind of like, all right, enough of this. And then, then we get Felix coming out and saying, oh yeah, I'm the, I'm the guy. Uh, but I loved all those little door scares that that he was so careful i felt i feel like every little moment in this movie he was so careful yeah and there was nothing lazy or slapdash about any of this no and that's that's a good point it's like a, a reveal in that they don't seem surprised when he's getting stabbed so you're learning something about the characters even as that's going on that's something I like about the grudge too it's like you know they're in on it because they don't they're not freaked out well that yeah there, there's a lot of it really does drive the early part of the movie is 
who's reacting to what, how, how right. and what is an agenda. And okay, we're seeing the guy's face and nobody recognizes it. Why are these things happening? And it, it, it yeah, it's really smart stuff early on. He makes uh, you think you figured it out. And then well, you see that family photograph early. And is it Felix? Am I, am I right? Is that the name of the brother who's the, the crappy brother? I think so, yeah, the bad guy. Uh, uh, in the, fam- the in the family photograph, he looks like such a psychopath. Well, and he's I- the Dexter season one ice cream truck killer. <laughs> and and I love that that's what they do because of like, all right, that guy's gonna. But I but I also know because of the casting. And Tom said this, and I don't want to say something about a horrible way to die, but but because of the casting, I know AJ Bowen is going to not be who I think who who if I didn't know who AJ Bowen is. Uh, I know who he's going to be, but Adam Wingard is messing with me with the casting. Um, and I really like that you see that family photograph. Felix turns out to be who I think he's going to turn out to be, and then A.J. Bowen comes in. But 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 he's playing this weird passive. I love that. I love the way that they that he messes with the casting. And you can see, like, uh, seeing this a second time, I can imagine, like, all those family dynamic things, which look like they're kind of being played for jokes. I mean, you could see all that is being set up for mm-hmm. who's in on yeah, it, who's direction. not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, um, uh, uh, I, I also want to call out, I see so many bad horror movies. A lot of these are found footage. Uh, and a lot of times, what a, a, a director who doesn't really know what he's doing with a horror movie will do is have the actors improv and just try to freak, just say, okay, now is the scene, something terrible is happening, just freak out. And he'll shoot it, and watching bad actors improv is bad enough, but watching them improv really stressful emotional moments is painfully bad. There are so many bad horror movies especially this new crop of found footage things where just the actors cannot improv and they're trying to improv these terrifying, horrible moments and it just scuttles any value the movie could have. You know, when they do this long, this extended freak out when the crossbow bolts start shooting in, it's really good. Like everybody's got a sense of priority and different people react different ways and, and it doesn't feel like any of the actors is sort of reaching I don't know if they rehearsed that. I don't know if it just came together that way. But it just reminded me of what so many directors are obviously trying to do when they tell their really bad actors, okay, just act scared and improv some dialogue now. Um, but I loved all that chaos when the crossbow bolt started shooting. Uh, that was just it's so also crazy. a major turning point in the movie because the one guy gets shot in the head. You go, oh, it's a supernatural villain movie. They can just they can take their time and pick someone off perfectly from – out in the we, we won't see them and then the next guy gets shot in the back and you go all right wait a minute they wouldn't have planned that so now i'm not sure what kind of movie i'm watching so you feel it's the i'm the fastest but i got this fucking arrow on my back <laughs> right i don't feel it anymore he's all here I, I love that turning point in the movie because i i was sort of dreading at that moment uh i really liked the way the movie opened i liked where we were going but i wasn't i still wasn't sure what kind of movie we were in Will you and die I, already did you like that scene too and i and i thought we were just going to be <laughs> like having the family be slowly picked off and that was the right. kind of movie i was going to have to yes. like I, I felt like i was in for a slog of of people getting pulled into closets and having the right. you know this happen and then when that arrow sequence which is which is a battle scene actually mm-hmm. happens this i was like oh this is a battle. I mean, I was so excited because I don't, I don't go to horror movies necessarily. I don't know home invasion movies necessarily. So when when that happened, when this battle scene erupted, I was just like, oh, 
well, this is where we're going. Everybody knows now. Everybody's in on it. It's not like we're going to have to like slowly pick off one at a time. Oh, God, that's right. Or have some character not mention something important to someone right. else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And you follow the crossbow guy, and he misses. And it's the first act of the movie. You're like, wait a minute. Now I know this. Now I'm in the horror. I'm in Jason Voorhees' head. But it's also great to look back and realize that the crossbow guy, the reason he's taking such care is he has to be careful who he's targeting. Right, right. I mean, I love that looking back. There's This movie, I would think – have you watched it twice, Tom? No, no, I have not. I, I would think this movie would be so rewarding on a second viewing. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think uh, what I didn't like about it. I actually can't. I got something. I got something. There you go. What 20-year-old co-ed is going to pick out a 70s pop star with middling success like Dwight Twilley and put one of his songs on repeat while she's basking in this – actually, well, not she's basking, depressed about the sex. So. I guess so. Is that it? What? Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I love that, – that song, by the way, was so incredibly – I didn't – I don't know that song. But it was so, like, poppy and frothy, and I loved the – inappropriateness of it uh <laughs> but what why would that girl put that song on that was unrealistic because or they, it's just they, in there they asked Dio, diablo cody to to uh suggest something and she suggested that i almost think you're serious dingus almost <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i can't think of anything <laughs> well here's here's my problem with it um that's pretty small potatoes, Tom. Oh, I, I, I know. I, I, I love, like I said, I loved this movie. There are so few horror movies that come together this well and that manage to surprise me like this. That you don't uh, want to find fault. It's so gratifying. Well, I mean, I, I, I can use. I'll, I'll give you. It's like I think by the end, I knew. I think it, I, a couple times I predicted what would happen, and I was right. I was like, God, you couldn't. But that's like two times out of thirty-eight. Uh, I don't find that being able to predict something is necessarily a fault with the movie as you guys are too smart i think that he's uh, doing that on purpose i think he's playing right. with us as well i think he wants us to predict certain things yeah. but then i predicted that i go oh you want me to get that because you're gonna do this <laughs> that's, an, that's an easter egg <laughs> you're too smart for this movie huh. uh here's my problem this is, i don't know about problem this is what what makes me sad is um so, A Horrible Way to Die is fantastic. Uh, man, did I enjoy your next. Um, Simon Barrett, early in his career, wrote uh, one decent, one crappy movie. He wrote a movie called Dead Birds, which has a really good cast, by the way, and is an interesting script. I, I recommend Dead Birds. But then he did a really terrible um, Soldiers in Afghanistan Meet an Evil Genie movie called uh, Red Sands, which is awful. What? what? These, these are Simon Barrett's first two scripts. So it's like the objective, but not found footage and a different war. It's a, no, no, it's exactly like that, uh, Kelly Wand. It's it's trying to make a political point. No, not a political point. It's trying to make this kind of contemporarily relevant horror movie in a, in, in in set in wartime. Um, Zombies are us, bro. And the objective does that well. Red Sands does that terribly. But mm. Dead Birds. Um, it's it's one of those movie mashups where you're watching one kind of movie and it becomes another movie. But Dead Birds is imagine Reservoir Dogs set well, it's set during the Civil War, and instead of a warehouse, they have to hole up in a house with demon children. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so is it so Confederates that, or unions? They're Confederates. I think they're Confederates ah. who've literally robbed a Union bank and are hiding. And that's the cast, the 
Steve's the Union wouldn't be political, would it, Tom? And the cast is great, by the way. Like, you'll watch Dead Birds, and you'll think, wow, they got those people. Uh, Red Sands <laughs> is terrible. So at any rate, then he hooks up with – and that was with – those Those were with the – They got those people. Is the, <laughs> the actor should feel happy when he – Wait, is that it. Dead Birds or Red Sands? Dead Birds. Yeah. Right. Uh, Red Stop Sands pointing has, that bird at my dad. <laughs> Red Sands has no one of note. Uh, it's like Kellen Lutz, or I forget who the lead actor is. Uh, Wait, but, that's uh, the stage name? Uh, Lutz. There's a guy, there's an actor named Kellen Lutz. Um, it, at any rate, I recommend Dead Birds. I don't recommend Red Sands. It, Simon Barrett wrote these, script for, wrote these scripts for another director. And then after these, he, he did a, these couple of movies with Adam Wingard, uh, A Horrible Way to Die and, and You Are Next. Unfortunately, so for whatever reason, uh, Your Next screened at Toronto in 2011. This would have been September 2011. So basically two years ago, Lionsgate bought it. And for whatever reason, they sat on it. I, I have no idea what's going on. Dingus and I went and saw the movie with a girl who works for the studio that developed the movie um, through its production. And she actually uh, – it was what Dingus's first reference was to – is they just call him uh, Wingard around the office when he comes around. And she's even going to try to get us <laughs> some of those uh, some of those masks that they were sending out to press. Uh, uh, prizes. Was, yeah, exactly. These were prizes. And you know what? Seriously, if we get one – we're happy to give that away. So there will be an actual contest. And stick around, by the way, to see if there's a contest this week. Uh, there will be an actual contest for those masks if we get them. At any rate, huh. in the two years since Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett made this movie and it was picked up by Lionsgate, they've still been working. Unfortunately, I'm a little worried that everything that made A Horrible Way to Die in your next special has been lost. On, there's no sign of it in the things they have done since. I really liked some of VHS. Part of what I didn't really like about it was the stuff that Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett wrote, which was just about these kids running around trashing things who find these mysterious tapes. And That was screen. theirs? That was theirs. That was the bit they did. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at a, a movie which has... 24 horrible sequences and two good sequences called ABCs of Death. One of the good sequences is Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett playing themselves in ABCs of Death. All these directors get one letter and they have to make a short horror film around that letter. And Simon Barrett and Adam Adam Wingard get the letter Q. (laughs) They have to, and the whole, the whole short is about them trying to think up, well, what are we going to do with the letter Q for Pete's sake? Uh, And it's cute. It's funny, but there's none of the genius you could see in the other other movies. And since then, though, the last thing they did together was a sequence in VHS 2, which – in which Adam Wingard decided to cast himself in the lead. He has no business doing that because he doesn't belong in the lead. And the whole thing is a really stupid excuse to try to get this actress to take her shirt off. And it's awful. It's just terrible. It's terrible. Oh, so terrible. What is that? Because I want to make fun of it. And, uh, I don't remember the name of it, but the premise is that the only clever thing in VHS 2 is that all the sequences try to come up with some cool different ways to make themselves found footage movies. Uh, the most clever one is a guy who is out on the woods wearing one of those uh, helmet cams while he's doing some extreme bike riding, and a zombie apocalypse happens, and he dies. And so then he's a zombie stumbling around with a helmet cam on. Uh, that's the only <laughs> clever bit in VHS 2. The bit that Adam Wingard did is he got a retinal implant, uh, an experimental retinal implant, and we're, we're seeing everything that he sees. 
and he starts seeing ghosts through the implant, and this girl comes to help him out with these ghosts that he's seen, and she takes her shirt off. And there you go. Oh, so it's like a lost shirtage movie. <laughs> Very good. That's hot. Wait, I'm not. Wait, it's in both eyes. Uh, I forget the specifics. You'll, you'll have to check that out. But I'm just. I just feel like all this this brilliant stuff that they did over two years ago. Since then. They haven't been doing anything like that. But they didn't uh, they are, know that this movie was a success yet if it was two years ago. So they were bummed out well, they, at this illusion. I don't know. They sold it. I mean, I don't know that there's still – you could still debate whether or not it's a success. But they, but they knew that Lion, Lionsgate wanted to distribute it. And they've been working on it. I mean, it's not like you worked on it two years ago and then it's done. I mean, he's been editing it for a long time. Ah, right. The editing's awesome. Yep. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and now – they're collaborating on something else now called The Guest that uh, we didn't let our friend tell us about. But all I know is that it's not it, – it's, it's some thriller. All I know is that it's in the category thriller. It's called The Guest. They're shooting it now in New Mexico. Hmm. So. It's not a sequel to the Korean thing. Just the host. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good, Kelly Wong. It's the he said, she said. <laughs> Uh, Kelly Wand, have you seen – if you like home invasion movies, uh, I've mentioned this before. There's a movie called Mother's Day uh, with Rebecca Mornay, which is a really good home invasion movie. But I think one of the best home invasion movies I've ever seen um, – and Business is kind of a home invasion movie. Uh, uh, Rebecca uh, is one of our favorite – uh, directors, a guy named Paul Andrew Williams, who did a great comedy horror mashup called the, the Cottage. The cab- I think it's the Cottage, right, Dingus? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for Ellison, he did a movie called London to Brighton, which we love. But uh, his most recent, not his most recent, his previous movie, other than his most recent one, is a really, really good home invasion movie that I think is on Netflix now called Cherry Tree Lane. So. Uh, deceptively placid, calm title, but I absolutely recommend Cherry Tree Lane if you're in, if you want to see, see it. See, I made fun of you the first time you said Lake Mungo, and then it was like my favorite movie ever. So now I know that geography-themed horror titles are good. Like Cabin in the Woods. That's geography, right? No, well, that's not like a specific woods. If it's if it been like Cabin in the... In the Pacific Northwest woods, like that would be. Yeah, that's the name of it. Crazy Tom. Dingus, are we making you a horror fan yet? Uh, uh, sadly, yes, you are. Did he go nice when the uh, arrow went to thing? Uh, I, scre- I had no reactions whatsoever to anything. I sat there and took notes. <laughs> he screamed like a little girl in the keyhole scene when uh, when Charney Vincent... Like in Porky's. One, two, three, la, 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 la. We got 180 degrees and I'm caught in between. One, two, three, 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 three. Wait, so either there's... A Wittgard There's either a keyhole scene in Porky's or Dingus screamed in Porky's. I kept saying boring things that I knew you couldn't bring. Because I was doing a Wittgard. I was consciously playing. So you could pretty sneaky, Kelly Wand. Me out on guard and uh, just. Speaking of sneak, oh. speaking of sneaky, Kelly Wand, what is this week's three by three? I'm sorry about this three by three and everything. Really? Are you? Why? What? Uh, why are you about? sorry? Yeah. Well, because like when it. I first pitched it, you guys were like, yeah, we've done that. <laughs> like, shut up. Hopefully you won't have to do this. No, we did. Instead of like, oh, Maps, we, yeah, we like Kelly. He's awesome. I was just thinking of the yeah, yeah, yeahs and how much I would like to drum that song. Kelly, we just think it's funny that you have no idea what things we have and haven't done. So we just <laughs> like punking you with that. Oh. 
All right. Uh, no, I, I quite like this one. When you said it, I, I thought of one, which became – I always think this is a good sign. If, if When somebody says a three-by-three three topic and I immediately think, oh, well, I guess I'm going to have to pick that, and then the one I pick isn't my number one, I then over the course yes. of the week think of ones that are even better, that's the sign of me that's enjoying a three-by-three. Three. So, Kelly Wine, when you said this one, I was like, well, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll mention that. I guess – I, can I come up with anything better? And sure enough – that's my number three. I really like my number one and my number two. So, uh-huh. And I know Dingus was in here before buzzing around about, oh, my God, I love the movie I picked for this three-by-three. Three. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he sounds like. It's so fluffy. Oh. Wait, was he nude? I wrote I wrote the, the, the three things I wrote. None of them ended up on my list. Uh, the things that my knee-jerk three by, uh, the first three things I just scribbled down when you mentioned it. I, I, this is a great topic. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, Kelly Wand. Oh. And, well, and I didn't even come up with the things I really wanted to come up with. I mean, there's there's things that I couldn't figure out uh, that I'm hoping our listeners will come up with that I couldn't remember. And I I think there's a lot here. This is a good idea. Yeah. Oh. I mean, you're right. welcome. So I'm going to start us out because I'm introducing next week's 3x3, three three, and I'll give you guys a quote. Are you ready? Mm. My number three favorite movie map. Here's a line from the movie. I kicked that fucker into the creek. Ah, that's my number three, too. Hey, Kelly Wan, high five. Yeah, it's a great one. (laughs) I don't think we ever see the map, though, do we? No, that's why it's an awesome pick, too. Like, it makes the list without even being shown. That's right. So it doesn't matter what it's on. What the hell are you talking about? So this is from a movie Dingus has never seen. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. Okay, so I, 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 if there's not even a map in it, I, choose something else. What the hell are you talking about? Dingus. I think you, you, this would have made your list if you yeah, were Dingus, if you would ever see this movie. So anyways, this movie, when I, was, when I mentioned before about how a lot of directors do, they tell their actors to just improv, and it's just painfully bad. There's some of that, not painfully bad, but there's some of it that doesn't really work in Blair Witch Project. Uh, and, and one of the things that kind of doesn't work that I think is a product of the improv is uh, what, what happened in Blair Witch Project is they sent uh, Heather Donahue, Joshua Leonard, and I'm forgetting the last dude's name. Mike, Mike something. Yeah, poor Mike, the guy who got the – who he everybody forgets. Michael uh, Shannon. No, but when they sent these three people out in the woods, uh, the, the filmmakers um, – didn't tag along with them. It was found footage of the three actors. They had two cameras just running around in the woods, shooting stuff, improving, and a lot of Blair Witch Project came together in the editing, of course. Um, at some point, they have to lose their map and lose their way, and it's an important turning point in the movie. It's, the, it's sort of the first step in their progressive stages of doom, and it's where Heather, who's still... And each other. Who, who I think she's still, it's such a good performance. She's so good in this movie, and it's a shame that she left uh, film, that she left the world she of did? movies. Yeah, she she recently wrote a book about how she, she decided, fuck movies, I'm going to just go and uh, do other things. <laughs> I think she grew, <laughs> she even grew weed for a while, if I'm not mistaken. That's part That's of That's understandable. Well, so. she talks about it in Blair Witch. She's like, I wish we had some weed. Remember in the hotel room? Uh, well, she, and, and losing the map is where she first starts to lose control. But at any rate, it's an improv moment because the guy playing Mike announces – the mechanics of this make no sense – that they lost the map because he kicked it in the creek. Wait, he kicked it or he threw it? No, he kicked it. Yeah, and he yeah, even does – and he's just him fumbling for words, and you can tell it's an imp- – he locks himself into this idea of having kicked a map into a creek. Oh, you – 
map. <laughs> right. Because you don't but kick wait. a map. Like, it, it gets dropped, or you throw it, or you tear it up. But he's just he's just going along with the improv and decides to announce that he kicked the map into the creek. And that's the that's the fate of the map. You know, that's what got stuck as they're doing and their go, You've doomed us all. But really, the map was pointless. I think he was right. And I think it would have been cool if they'd got – when she goes, it's the same tree later, like they see the map again floating down river, and they just ignore it. Like, you know what? Mike was right. The map's fucking dumb. Because it doesn't help them. And they're in a supernatural woods. Spoiler right. alert. Dingus. Right. Exactly. Dingus. She wrote a whole book about bleeding movies. <laughs> I don't know yep. why that – What's chapter 10? Like, I still stayed, I still didn't go to the casting thing. Uh, I'm afraid I did not read it. So, Kelly Wand, I leave that to you. <laughs> Fritz next for me. She uh, But, Dingus, you're okay with that, even though we never see the map? I mean, we see them looking at it. It's not like I'm we ever see shots. We ruined that scene now for Dingus. That Dingus is never going to see Blair Witch Project. He's, That's the Empire Strikes Back before that moment. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> really? <laughs> Why didn't he see the Blair Witch? Like, just by accident. It's, I've always heard fascinated. He's people. not a horror. Because, because I think Blair Witch is one of those Rocky Horror movies where once the window closes, you're done. Yep. But yep. you don't know what the map was. And everyone no. else does. I don't care. I, I, did, I didn't go to see it because there were all these placards all over the theaters that are saying you're going to get motion sickness, so don't come see this movie. Kelly Wand, he's and just being willfully... He's just being willfully ignorant. Comes across, but I was just wondering, like, at what point he became willful about it? Like, oh, but, and I know it's the motion sickness. Yeah, so the, the movie actually once, is once the whole Once the jig is up, why go see it? I mean, you know it's What's not. The, yeah, no. Dingus, you've been told this. Dingus, you see it because Heather Donahue is really good. There's a good performance in it. It's a great example of how to do found footage. Uh, it's a great example of how to do horror by showing – where less is more in horror. You saw the objective, the, the, things, the things that – the things that he did in the objective, and I want to say that's Eduardo Sanchez. I hope it's not Daniel Myrick. I think, yeah, Eduardo Sanchez, because uh, Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Myrick collaborated on Blair Witch Project. They then went their separate ways. Eduardo <laughs> Sanchez used a lot of what he did in Blair Witch Project to good effect in the objective, which you've seen and you appreciate. So there's a lot of that in Blair Witch Project. Furthermore, Dingus lives in a house where there is a copy of Blair Witch Project on the shelf. Oh, my God. A copy that he can pull down and watch at any moment, but instead he's watching Parks and Recreation these days. Well, that's fine, too. But it seems like a strange line to draw in the sand because he could make fun of it more easily, I would think, if you see like, oh, this is the Harry Potter phenomenon. Why is it called Diagon Alley? Stupid. Oh, they sell wands at the store. Kind of bullshit that. But continue. Did you see Book of Shadows, though? Because <laughs> that would be the best. You, then you just see both. Like, fuck it, I'm going to the second one that no one's going to. I'm a true rebel. <laughs> Bitches. <laughs> but it is the greatest map in film history. Now I'm like... Uh, I'm totally annoyed that you picked a map that nobody can see, but I can't comment uh, on it because iconic it's thematic. So go ahead. Mm -hmm. Tom's so right. Uh, right, right after the in the scene where Heather freaks out about them losing the map again, that improv. I, I was just watching the scene today. Uh, she says to to Mike about losing the map. She says, "You have betrayed us all yeah. beyond the thing, right?" Yeah, she can't finish the sentence because she doesn't know it. She can't fill in the idiom. She's starting to That's say some though. idiom. You like but she says, "You have betrayed us all beyond." Just way fucking beyond. <laughs> I think that's a great line. A great improv. She's too upset to finish her sentence. 
I, I do really love the next word B. You betrayed us all beyond cartography. Well, I think what she's thinking of is beyond the pale, or I, I don't know what she's oh, that would have been. Yeah. I don't know. But that's the that, I guess, is a sign of authentic improv. It was also a really funny part of the, Like, everyone in the theater, when I first saw that, when he said that, everyone just went, oh. Like, they literally, it was going to make a difference. Like, they were all like, oh, they lost the map. Fuck. Like, every teenager around me, I was the only 90-year-old there. But, like, they're all like, oh, he threw it in the river. Didn't throw it. He kicked it. He kicked, kicked it. In, it. Not a river. Not a river, Kelly Wand. A creek. He kicked it into a creek. <laughs> People quoted that line for years. It's weird to me that Dingus didn't go, oh, the Blair Witch map. I knew this would happen. Instead of like, oh, what? Like, he didn't know. Well, you know what? Let's see what Dingus did come up yeah, with. Right. D- Dingus, do you have a line from your number three pick for well, a favorite? you say map. Creek. I mean, you can get anything out of Creek. I mean, that's simple. No, they, but he doesn't, they don't know when he did it. He mentions it post-factum. Post-kicking. Yeah, post-kicking. Oh. Yeah. Then, then, see, plus the witch made it disappear. They, a guy gets taken from out of the tent they're in, <laughs> disappears, and they find his teeth later. So if, you, if that's what kind of creek they're dealing with, Dingus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Teeth, teeth Creek. That's a great movie title. I'm bummed that Dingus saw Hump Day and not Blair Witch. Hump Day is awesome. No, I know, but like, oh, wait, that guy's not dead. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Back to Dingus' is number three, sorry. All right, here's a quote here's a quote from my number three. Strange game. The only winning move is not to play. Oh good lord, why would you say that what? and not the Doctor Strange love map? <laughs> because yeah, it's the same country and the same graphic. Because it reminds me of an awesome video game that you made me play. What? Missile Command? Yeah, Missile let's, Command. Let's see if Dingus can think the Elf. name up can think of the name of this video game. Dingus, what video game was that? It has an awesome soundtrack. And I think I didn't write it in my notes, but now that you say that, I think it's called DefCon. Hey, very good. You pulled out the name. Very good. I gotta play it. Oh wait, I remember that game. Yeah, DefCon is a is a classic, uh, and they, they definitely at DefCon they know their war game. Games, war games, yeah, war games. All right, Dingus, so, explain why this is your favorite. Uh, this is war games. Uh, I love this huge NORAD map. In that final sequence after the tic-tac-toe as Joshua plays through all of the uh, possible nuclear war scenarios. I just I love those weird digital, uh, very minimalist maps that are on that screen. And, uh, and it does remind me of DEF CON. And I, I just, it made me re-love war games playing that game. Because I'm not, I'm not good at any video game. But I love playing DefCon because the music is so freaking great, and um, and I love that sequence where you see Joshua doing all the sequences of uh, of nuclear scenarios, and I like those maps. So yeah, and and also just the idea that in NORAD you you have these huge maps, and that's all they're going to project are these little digitized maps. Such a pale imitation of the Strange Love map, though. It's blue, though, and the strange love one's black and white, and maybe Dingus was like, oh, it's a blue one. Huh. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even consider the strange love map. I, I just think of that as, like, moving uh, – I just think of that as drawings on a, on a, on a board. No, no, no. It's as a big old digital thing on the wall that has lights for each of the bombers going into Russia. I mean, there's this cool visual progression to it as fingers reaching into Russia, and all of them get 
get the deactivation code except for Slim Pickens one. So there's this one stray finger. It's like a hair or something that's that keeps thrusting into Russian airspace. Mm. Uh, and just the visual of that oh, on that right. big map in the the war room, uh, which is obviously it. not your number two. No, and I should have thought of that because Failsafe is one of my favorite movies. Oh, do they have a map? Is, yeah, I mean it's the they're, they're, they're kind of the same movie, but maybe it's the same map even because it was like the same year production. But, but they've I, got a, a I great big old wall. Map. They're one of those. I I just love. I I'm so in love with war games so that when you were bringing up war, or when you were bringing up maps and I was considering it over the week, I just remembered the way, real- just the way that it is kind of missile commandy, the way the, the map sort of blooms. Uh, I just love those constant, like redrawing of the map and then the bloom, redrawing of the map and then the bloom. Well, and Dingus does have a real weak spot for Matthew Broderick movies like tower heist yes. <laughs> and project X. Oh, that's a good one. How dare you mention Tower Eyes with Project X? You so Kelly Wan's number three is also Blair Witch Project, which brings me to my number two. Mm. Let me give you a line from this. Oh boy. Mm, I can't even do justice to a line. I could do a line from Blair Witch Project, some kids improving. I can't do a line from this movie. It's way too classy for me. So my <laughs> number two favorite map is the opening of Casablanca starts with a globe, and they're talking about people escaping you know world war ii trying to get away from from the war and this globe it zooms in on this globe to this map of europe and then it goes down to paris and it draws that line which i'm sure if you guys don't mention it readers will mention it that other movies have played on specifically one that was key to our childhood the line representing people traveling from paris down to north africa into casablanca while the narrator is explaining this is the route that that refugees are using to escape the war and then they go up to lisbon and then they get out to the free world but the map stops at casablanca just as they explain except some people get stuck in casablanca uh you know casablanca is where some people can't get the papers to get up to lisbon um so i love how it introduces casablanca as a huge worldwide scale drama. Block. And then it, it focuses down on the war, and then it scoots down to this little sideline, this little tiny edge of the war, and from there goes into this bar, and then into Rick, and it becomes a very personal story. What <laughs> starts... What starts with a globe ends up just being about a relationship between a man and a woman. And I love how it uses a map to illustrate that and to put it in the context of World War II. Wait, it shows a man dotted lining his way into a woman. It shows, the, it shows the progression of people trying to escape the war from Paris, which is where Rick and Elsa started, uh, down to Casablanca. See, that's me doing a sex joke and then Tom raising a map and going, okay, here was my joke, Kelly. <laughs> and then your thing, what is I this see. dotted line? What was your sex joke, Kelly? Uh, the, the guy's dick was a dotted line. I thought you were going to say Casablanca. Oh. Oh, Cockablanca. Cockablanca. Yeah. That's All right, better. so Dingus, <laughs> what is your number two pick for a favorite map in a movie? Maybe you have a line that you could do for us. All right, here's By the, the way, Dingus, if someone came to you and said, Dingus, give us a line from Casablanca, what would you do? I would say, hey, Sam, why don't you play that song again? <laughs> Kelly Wan, let's say someone comes to you and says, Kelly Wan, give me a line from Casablanca. There's a few places like home. All right, that works. No wand. Biggest what is give us a line from your number two pick for a favorite map in a movie. No. I said, What kind of bird are you? Yeah, thanks for stealing my number one. My quote would have been there are no paved roads, but 
Here comes Jed with the mail. <laughs> I don't remember the map in Moonrise. Oh, come on. Oh, Jesus. All right, Dingus, talk about it. What, what makes this map? Good? It's your number one. Why don't you tell me what map you, what's, your, what's your favorite map in this movie? Well, it's uh, just like Casablanca situates the action on a world stage. Uh, Wes Anderson is so intricate and personal and particular with creating these little worlds. And he makes it very clear early on that is it Penzance Island? Yeah. Yeah. He makes it very clear that Penzance Island, Penzance Island is new. It's actually new, new Penzance. New Penzance, good. Uh, man, that makes me wonder about what old Penzance was. But it makes Hello. it very clear that this this is this world he's going to create. A little self-contained island. We have Bob Balaban showing us little postcard views of it. Um, but what, what oh. I really what I really love about uh, the the map in Moonrise Kingdom because it looks like a like a title or a, or a nautical chart map of the island. Um, is we see the map at other points in the movie, not just in the tableau. Uh, when Bob Balaban says, hey, I think I know where Sam and Susie have run off to, he pulls the map out of his pocket. Uh, Sam and Susie clearly have a map with them that they consult. Um, and there are times during the narration that Wes Anderson shows us the map. For instance, uh, during the coordination between the scouts at Camp Ivanhoe and Fort Lebanon, you get a dotted line moving across the map to represent the Morse code as they're communicating with each other. But my favorite moment, though, would have to be after the storm. Um, it is revealed that uh, mile 3.25 tidal inlet, which is where <laughs> Sam and Susie have escaped to, uh, it's revealed because this is where Bob Balaban says they've gone to. Uh, it's revealed that it's been washed away forever by the storm, that it's gone. Um, but the reveal after that, uh, and then we even show, Wes Anderson shows us the revised map that has that area <laughs> sort of grayed out. Uh, but then the final reveal is that when Sam is painting a picture of Susie, you think he's doing like a portrait of her, he's instead painting that inlet, and he has dubbed it in his painting Moonrise Kingdom. Because uh, it's one of those great movies where nobody says the name of the movie. I always appreciate that. Uh, so but he's looking me, at her, so it's like his name for her. Well, the, the, yeah, the movie's a progression from this map of this little self-contained world to their unique shared memory of a place on that map uh, that he's called Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, and it's you know a metaphor for, I guess, childhood love or who knows. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to interpret too much into it. But just the idea that it gets destroyed in the storm, that we see that on the map. Um, all right, so Dingus, why is it your number two? And uh, not for, your number one pick. Uh, for me, the map moment that I love most in that movie is, and this is just a little, it's just a frame, um, but I love this frame, but that's one of the things I love about Wes Anderson movies is that I can pick out a frame that I love. Um, it's the It's kind of, before the line I just said, it's when he when he spread this when he spreads this sad little paper map out on the ground and he and he holds his compass out over it and he's and he, and Sam is working his way to Susie and you see the map there on the ground as he's working his way to Susie right I think not it's not right before he says but it's reasonably before he says this and you see New Penzance there laid out. Uh, on this little paper map that obviously they've printed and that they're handing out to people and that the scouts have and that he has and that he's using his compass over this map. And I, I really wanted to use maps that were, that were useful in the movie 
for some reason and not just something that the filmmaker was showing us to give us an idea of the geography of the of the uh, of the land, which is fine. I mean, I I don't mind if somebody wants to choose sort of uh, something that the filmmaker is showing us, but this is something that the the actual character was using to navigate. And I really like that. I really like that that picture of him holding that compass over that map. Do you remember doing the little Morse code dots like going across the map back and forth when yeah. the scouts are coordinating? I love that little bit too. Yeah. When the the map comes alive with activity at that point, it's really cute. Um, like a walkie talkie, huh, guys? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, we're having a conversation about Moonrise Kingdom over I'm here. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kelly Wan, give me a line from your number two favorite movie map. All right. Uh, I'm trying to write a book here. You keep coming in. Uh, trying to write a book uh, with some ghosts. Uh, There's no maps in The Shining. Yeah. What's the map in The Shining? He's staring at the hedge maze. I mean, yeah. And then he, but he, see, that's the thing is Danny doesn't need the map and he knows his way out. But Jack's staring at it and it's like, I know it's supposed to be a metaphor for his insanity, but he's just staring at it. He's still, he's too insane to read the map he's staring <laughs> Wait, I don't remember this. Where does he get about? to see a map of the, the hedge maze? Where's the There's map? one in the room he's writing in. Is there's there a thing where that? it's like, yeah, there's a map to it in the hotel. That's kind of cool. Oh. And, it, and it actually, you see it because it, you first see Danny running through the hedge maze, and then you see it from above, and a little speck running in it that's supposed to be Danny, and then it like turns into the map that Jack's staring at. So it actually does fit. It's like an actual map of an actual hedge maze. Okay, I guess I'm going to have to rewatch this thing, aren't I, Kelly Wand? What, The Shining? Yeah. Um, yeah, you can take the bullet on that. I'm not watching that again. <laughs> I'm so done with The Shining. I, I haven't had enough of those motion detection sickness posters of twins. And Tell you what, get a, get a load of dingus pretending he's above Stanley Kubrick movies again. Yeah, War Games is the real uh, I'm I'm busy like watching Eyes Wide Shut by Spy Kubrick. <laughs> yeah, what's he? Wait a minute, that's over. That is a good point, Tom. Is dingus is now? First of yeah. all, he's dissed Doctor Strange Love in this podcast by picking that's... War Games. He's famously. Uh, he only likes fake war. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't consider 2001. He goes straight to 2010. Ew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now here he is refusing to rewatch The Shining. I prefer the one with the guy from Wings. <laughs> where the guy from Wings shows up at Danny's graduation at the end, which makes The Shining sequel next month that comes out that Stephen King wrote. It's going to be awesome. But I should watch it again, right? Kelly Wan, The Shining? I should give it another chance, right? I'm not nuts about the... Uh, well, it's a good movie. I don't know why. But look for all the things that prove that Stanley Kubrick uh, faked the moon landing, like Capricorn 1. Yeah, uh, then I would just watch that documentary. But that's not a movie. It's a documentary, though. The Shining is one of those movies where I just kind of know every scene. Like, I don't think I'll ever see it again, because I just know it. Well, I certainly know when, like, I, I love, I, I don't love it, I hate it when horror movie directors think that they're doing something sly when they do the shot from below of someone leaning against a door trying to get in, you know, that, that, that famous shot. That of, kills the whole shining for you? That well, no, that makes me, you know, I see that and I'm like, I know, I saw The Shining, I remember the shot, I know what you think you're doing, please. Um, it's like the trunk, huh? Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Now, is that a Tarantino thing or did somebody else, does that? He probably snaked it from somebody. 
So he did it most famously. So it's the same with the guy leaning against the door with the camera beneath him. Anytime someone does that in a horror movie, I'm just like, what, whatever. You think you're clever? Please. This uh, is off topic, but there was a preview for that Carrie remake with Hick. That, well, I know it's off topic. That, now that, I want to hear it. Exactly. She, Carrie was. Wait, I don't, I don't even want to hear it. Don't Tell talk, me stop yeah, talking. All right. All right. I'm telling you to stop talking. Jeez, a piece. Right. You guys are idiots. Let's talk about Lolita. <laughs> about it. Let's talk about how much I don't like Lolita. <laughs> because of James Mason? <laughs> I prefer the remake. Yes, I don't like it because of James Mason. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I see what he's doing. Well, Dingus, since my number one map is Moonrise Kingdom, what then is your number one pick for a, a map in a movie? And maybe, maybe you give us a quote. <sighs> All right, here you go. <laughs> Sorry, let me stop laughing. Yeah, Dingus, settle, settle. There's nothing funny going on here. Save it for the outtakes. Stop. <laughs> I have to do an accent, so I'm having a hard time. Give me a few seconds. Alright, let's reset. Oh, I- We're still rolling. Stop pissing, Yuri. Give me a stop watching a map and I'll... <laughs> wow. He couldn't make it at all. He's, he's doing... He's so in love with his Hunt for Red October movies <laughs> that he really wants to do it seriously, like for real. <laughs> <laughs> that he's trying to get into character. Yeah. All right, I got to pretend I'm in the Navy. Two million. Okay, right, let's try take two, Dingus. Let's do another take. Yeah. Let's this yeah. Is... Try not to break on this one. Okay. Everyone, settle in the room. Settle. Here we go. Right. Here we go. Stop hissing, Yuri. Give me a stop watching a map, and I'll fly the Alps in a plane with no windows. <sighs> is what that, that right, I don't even understand what he said. So it's not even close. All right. Uh, I love. Uh, uh, yeah, it is uh, obviously Hunt for Red October. I love the map. <laughs> The maps are so so in a way he's culpable. <laughs> and I love this movie so much. It's on Instant Watch right now, and I and I didn't know I was. I, I thought I owned it, and I went through my collection. I couldn't find it. Uh, but I got to watch it on Instant Watch, and oh man, it's so great! It's such a great movie. Um, Wait a minute, hold on. So Dingus, when you were like traipsing around the house earlier, going, "Oh God, I saw a movie I loved." You were talking about Hunt for Red October and not Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> That's right. Oh my god! Ew. Oh jeez! Wait, he also put Moonrise or Hunt for October above Moonrise Kingdom. That's right. I assumed it's because there was some awesome map. It's got to be the play. same fucking map that was in War Games too, because it's a no, fucking it's, thriller. It's, the, it's the map for Moonrise Kingdom. That's what's so weird. <laughs> and when they talk Russian at the beginning of Moonrise Kingdom, and then pan over. Yus Bushki. What do you think of this, Dingus? If I was to propose to you that the maps in Crimson Tide are better than the maps in Hunt for Red October. <gasps> the Rock is a better physicist than Eisenstein. Uh, go ahead and give me one line from Crimson Tide. Um, Sir! Uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you the, I couldn't even tell you the plot. Uh, is, are they what both like, are, are Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington like yeah. U-boat commanders of the same U-boat or different? Yeah, they have, it's about them not getting along and one of them... Is not. it a mutiny on the bounty thing? Yeah, because there's a teletype but a nuke and they don't know whether to surface and de- declare nuclear war. Or not. And he has a Jack Russell Terrier who pees on people. That's awesome. Is that true? And yes. so does Gene Hackman. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so go ahead and dig us. Tell me about this map from Hunt for Red October that you love. <laughs> okay, so I love... Oops. Uh, uh, so the the guy who says the the quote above that I just said to he stopped hitting Yuri quote uh, is named Kamarov, uh, played by Michael Weldon, and um, I love his map because it's it's this map that's marked by this um, uh, erasable 
uh, marker, basically, you know, like dry erase marker of uh, of what was known as Red Route One, which was how the Russian subs. Yeah, Seaman Beaumont. Go ahead, Kelly Wand. I was just laughing that Tom knew, in a way. So in a way, I'm laughing at Tom and not you. But <laughs> so anyway, it was it was how the Russian subs would make their way around Iceland, and I love that. Uh, I love the map. I was going to choose the map that um, that Alec Baldwin, that Jack Ryan picks when he's like uh, someplace deep, and he like throws all the maps away, all the all the nautical charts, and and he finds the uh, the Laurentian Abyssal, that really deep part. Um, but instead, I really like the the route through Red Route One after they pass Thor's twins. Um, I just love the, that that this is a, a marked up map of a. Stop laughing! It's it's a really cool map. Those nautical charts are so cool. So what are you as laughing D- about as Dingus, water as Dingus is explaining this, I think that in his head he's thinking about Hunt for Red October the way, that, the way that the way that some people think about Lord of the Rings <laughs> or porn. Like, like and then they left the Shire and then they went to Helm's Deep and then they went to Minas Tirith. I'm sit back at the White House <laughs> that I unzipped. <laughs> I actually don't. I don't know. I remember liking that movie. Those, so I, I love those underground top. I don't know what you would call them. The not the those sea charts that are topographical but under under the ocean because I love that that sort of like. Uh, Alec Baldwin has to go someplace deep, and he and he finds the Laurentian Abyss or Ab- Abyss or Abyssal, however you say it, and it's that, and and you and you see that on the maps. But, uh, but most of all, I love the Kamarov marked map through Red Route One. Dingus, those are called bottom graph maps. Bottom graph maps. I kind of agree with Dingus, though. I, if I can do a full 180, I think those undersea maps are kind of interesting because they're maps of things that we never see. So they're all these weird configurations, but like sub commanders know them and we're like, oh, throw it in the river, kick it in the creek. <laughs> when Dingus was trying to compose himself to do a quote, I thought he was going to do a just stand outside so Chief can translate my Iraqi ass map, okay? <laughs> I thought that's the line he was going to do. Who was he doing? He's going to do an ass if map, I but I don't remember the actual ass map. I just remember it being reference. Yeah, and I was like, you guys, I actually wanted to include the map I saw instead of the one that got kicked in. Oh, no. Dingus, you do see the Iraqi ass map in, oh, you Three, Kings, could, in Three Kings. Yeah, you definitely see it. Yep. Yeah. Kelly Wand, that leaves you. What is your number one pick for a favorite map in a movie? This will make Dingus feel better. Not that he feels bad, but it's also Sean Connery themed. <clears throat> oh, pushy. <laughs> the laugh was me, by the way. I stopped acting prior to that. Kelly Wan, what does Sean Connery say when he goes to Wimbledon? No, wait. What time does Sean oh, Connery... Jesus. What? <laughs> I think it's the Wan... movie I'm thinking of with the Sean Connery map that's not down Periscope. <laughs> no, Gold, I don't. Goldfinger. Ah, Dr. No. Goldfinger is overrated because he's a prisoner the whole movie, if you ask me. Uh, no, but you're on the right track but and you're going in the right direction. Wait. Thunderball. Keep going. Oh, that's a close call. That's your hint. Her Majesty's Secret Service. I hate you, Dingus. <laughs> Solve Tom's. Problem. Live and let die. Living uh, daylights. Living daylights. I'm just going to let Tom name uh, a movie. I like that he said it twice. Go ahead. Skyfall? Cheeseburger! <laughs> JK. Uh, no, it was uh, Never Say Never Again. And it's kind of my dingusy one because it was like a video game map of like the U.S. and Russia, and they play a ripoff of the War Games thing, like him and Klaus Maria Brandauer, who I guess was like still on Skarsgård in the eighties. 
well put, Kelly Wand. They play that video game. It's like missile, 3D Missile Command, and you find out old 60s Sean Connery is still better at video games than another guy who's also 60, even though it's his video game. I guess he programmed it? I don't know. Anyway, but see, Connery's Russia both times, and he wins. Well, you're also... You're, you're neglecting the most important point, which is that if you lose, don't you get shocked to death? Well, you're getting shocked every time something gets nuked. So oh, he's right. getting shocked the whole time, but he makes the other guy take off because he nukes fucking Stalingrad or something. I wasn't really listening. Did it remind you of the video game DEFCON? <laughs> play that. What's wrong with you? Kelly Wong, what do the readers have for their favorite maps? <laughs> um... I take it you're not interested in more about Al Gray. Oh, no, no. Yeah, if you had more about the awesome map and never say never again. If I did have more, you wouldn't want to know. JK. Um, Oh, by the way, and I haven't looked at the listener submissions yet, but I may be going to do a little more editing from now on when I read these. Because it's like, I don't know. I feel like if we wish people happy birthday because they ask us to in a movie podcast, it's kind of like terrorism. I mean, the happy birthday anyway, bro. I mean, <laughs> uh, and Kellner. Kellner? Ann Eller or Kenneller? Kenneller. Ann writes, here are my three picks for this week's 3x3 on the best uses of maps in film. Elizabeth the Golden Age. I didn't see that one. Did you, Tom? The Cape Blanchett that. one? Yeah. I did not. I don't, yeah, yeah. I did not. Did I thought I have Owen is Nelson or something. Or no, not Nelson. I love, it's, Drake. it's got a really great soundtrack. Yeah. I'm just saying that. Is it authentic to 1500s? Yes. Okay. And not Vangelis. Elizabeth's Protestant regime falls under scrutiny by the very aggressive and Catholic Spanish monarch. This film details the events leading up to the defeat of the Spanish monarch in 1666. Large marble floor map. A large marble floor map acts as both a symbol of Elizabeth's power over the world and of her intellectual prowess as a real-world chess master. Oh, now I want to see it. That actually sounds good. Ted Gummett and just reminded me of the map in the fountain where we see uh, the the spread across Europe of I guess it's heresy oh, and and it's it's kind of this cancer metaphor. Ted Gummett, remember that yeah. map there? I think I zone out when maps are on screen, which makes it even weirder that this was my topic. Well, I kept trying to think of of a map in Henry V, which I couldn't think of. But anyway, uh, never mind. Go ahead. Wait, the play wouldn't have had a map, and therefore. Uh, and yes, this map is historically accurate, complete with the tiny battleships. <laughs> There's a word, battleships. Those didn't come into play until the early Napoleonic era, as I know from reading Master and Commander Book 4, the Mauritius Command. Um, <laughs> and statues of infantrymen, which would be pushed around to keep track of troop movements. Oh, see, so it was like Croupier, and Clive Owen was also <laughs> That was me, not Anne. <laughs> Um, Prometheus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, good God. Damn you, Ad. Check, please. Troll you! Prometheus. I think we all remember this one. Q. Kelly wants. It's not just me fist shaking and cursing Lindelof. That was the first time I think I cursed his name. Wait, no, Lost was the first time. Now it's just this. Now it's a default that I can't say even occurs. Michael Fassbender's dissembling AI discovers Space Goo, and in my opinion, one of the most beautiful CGI maps in any film to date. This three-dimensional map symbolizes both the unknown space David has encountered and the epistemological theological conundrum Elizabeth Shaw. Which one's that, Tom? The that would be uh, Numi Rapace. Oh, Dragon Tattoo. Uh, is hell-bent on tackling. 
tackling the conundrum. Instead of a human dwarfing a map, as in number three, here the map dwarfs the human form, pushing the idea that there is something greater at stake here than mere scientific discovery or human trauma. All right, so Anne is one for one. Let's see if she can redeem herself with her number one pick. You know, she just did more work than Ridley Scott did. And David Lindelof, yeah. You just wrote a better... (laughs) That was better than anything in the Prometheus script, and you should have been compensated accordingly by whoever fucking made the movie. This last one's kind of lame, but I thought it was a stroke of genius at the time. Iron Man 2. I knew she was going to do Iron Man after choosing that, yeah. Really? I did. I just totally saw it in my head. Uh, Tony Stark. Yeah, go ahead. Because you know Anne, or because you know oh anyone who goes Prometheus is going towards Iron Man for sure. I I have no idea why that happened, but uh, she might have incepted me. I don't know. The map that would be a new element. Tony Stark's road rash. I honestly don't remember this map either. I feel really dumb. I don't remember anything. Tony Tony Stark's road rash needs something a little stronger than a weak rash to make as a curative. It's a map of a, of an element. That's not a map, is it? Is that like a diagnostic uh, diagram? Question mark. Kelly asking. No, is no but I, I totally get what she was going for because of uh, I, I think it's a it, I think it's a reasonable mental leap from what she was talking about with Michael Fassbender to what happens with uh, Iron Man 2's map. I think that's. I remember I, the map I, in number I, three. I now. totally see that now. Yeah. Doesn't she get or she doesn't Iron Man get the. Uh, he does the map of Man Chinese Theater and knows what the next uh, CG sequence is going to be because he does that giant 3D thing. Anyway, this gives the writer's perfect excuse to tell us about the bits and pieces of his problematic childhood as well as a plastic model of the Stark Expo that looks something like Epcot on steroids. This brief sequence gives the protagonist the pushing to save the day. So while it's cheesy, I like that this map furnishes Stark with the moment of epiphany and with the perfect atomic map for the element that will save his life. Troll picked the map of the Death Star in Star Wars. I didn't think of that one. Yeah. That's my version of Dingus's. Aha. You. you know what? I hate – so Aliens comes to mind too. I hate when you see a map – uh, and the movie is going to take pains to show you the map, and it's some like impenetrable wiring diagram or something. Where and, and the actors are just pointing, yeah, this duct here will seal this off, and we'll close this door. And we're watching them point at just this jumble of lines. There's that great big table map in Aliens, uh, which kind of predates iPhones or whatever, uh, where they're scrolling around, and uh, uh, Hudson has a little joystick controller, and there's nothing. I mean, it's just random lines. Uh, yeah. And the Death Star thing is the same way. Nobody's fooling me into thinking. Well, the Death Star right. one, I remember not being that complicated, though. Like, it's a big circle, and there's a trench, and then you see the torpedo. Isn't that, it? Isn't it the map, though, that R2-D2 had to smuggle out? Like, isn't Yeah, it, it's super yeah. cheesy and dumb-looking. Yeah, it's and dumb like, whatever. It's, and you go, wait, they needed R2-D2 to know... It would have been awesome if R2-D2 just handed over, like, a piece of paper with, like, a... <laughs> and there's a compass on it. It's like an arrow pointing at a circle. This droid's useless. He also has a whole getup. Like like the picture from Big Lebowski. It's just like, here's a picture. I just traced it. He brings a homing beacon and the map, and they go, well, we don't, they should have said, we don't need the map because you brought the Death Star 2 because you all, they put the thing in you when they kidnapped you from the Millennium Falcon, you fucking idiots. Here we are at Star Wars. I'm sorry. That's a good point, Dingus. It's it's Anne's fault. And did this to us. That was her troll, too. And then look what happens. But you know uh, what? And 
Tom, I was wait, your That's your Lions thing, and this is I predict that uh, there's at least one Time Bandits pick among the listeners. I love that, the Time Bandits map, though. I mean, just visuals. Yeah, in, yeah. You just look at like the visuals of map. That looks like something from some amazing artwork in a really cool video game. I love that Time Bandits map. I like the parchment quality of it, but I remember being frustrated that I didn't get how the map work like okay, well, if, they, yeah. if they unroll it and then they go to that time and it's like Kelly Wand, it might just be that you're not ready for terry gilliam mm. dave perkins writes hey guys dave perkins here <laughs> just wondering <laughs> what i said about editing eh, change my mind just wondering if you give a shout out to shout outs just in general to all shout outs except this one which is a shout out to shout outs don't want to get caught in a logical paradox over this see the listeners were ahead of me tom just like uh your next dude Beggars Canyon back home. See no map of that, and that would have been helpful. Because we know what he's referencing. <laughs> Dave Ferkins writes. No, that was me. Uh, I like the map in Blair Witch Project, but only when it goes missing. And I suppose that a missing map isn't really trenchant, to use a Tom word. So he makes fun of both of us, Tom. And he agrees with Dingus. I know, we just got pwned, didn't we? And's our friend. So I'll move on to maps that appear. Everyone but Dingus. Number three, the map in Raiders that depicts Jones' travels. I'm sure others will mention this map, so I'll simply point out that I love how the red dots are not only at the beginning and ending of his trips. Tom, you were going to say something, I thought, for a second. That's why. I- no, I said all I needed to say about the Indiana Jones one when I was talking about Casablanca. Oh. <laughs> all right. That that's what great, I thought you were going to say. That was a great moment, by the way. Number two, the map in the Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. I like this one. That is good. I, by the way, Emperor's, Emperor's New Groove, we don't talk about that movie enough. I feel that 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 gets lost in the discussions of like really good animated movies. Like when you're talking about Pixar movies and Iron Giant and Coraline, why don't more people bring up Emperor's Groove at that moment as well? That's a really good movie. Right? Think, is, it, is it Dana Carvey? Who, no, no. No, it's, it's David um, Spade. It's David it's, Spade. It's David don't Spade. That's why, because I really love that, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay, I thought you were going to say that like that was a, a, a liability for no, it. No, I think that's why it's di- dismissed. It, well, it's not, but it's not like Rob Schneider's in it or anything, though. Yeah, but... <laughs> Touché. <laughs> wait, wait, it's a kid's movie, though. No, well, yeah, but so are a lot of great animated movies. It, 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 don't hold that against it. But then I, I didn't see it, because I go, I look at the title, and I go, oh, Emperor's New Groove. It's obviously a remake of fucking... What? <laughs> what? That one with uh, Jodie Foster and Chow Yun Fat. What was that? The Emperor. Little girl in the house on the left. No, it's the the king and I. Is he an emperor? <laughs> Kings and emperors are totally different things. Look, man, it's just a size thing. <laughs> no, so go ahead because this is a cute moment too. It's a uh, it, it's a great and you know what? It's a great play on that Raider shtick as well. No emperor ever had a groove though. Well, this one got a new one. That wand. Oh, uh, the map of Emperor's New Groove that is sort of created as the protagonist are chased by Kronk. This sounds like a fucking submarine movie. Who's <laughs> carrying Isma? You guys both agreed, too. Tom, you see... Uh, fuck. The red line from the Raiders' tail map... Wait, so it's three and number two are both Raiders-y. It's painted on the actual ground, and a blue line is being but created they, by Kronk as he runs. Yeah, the point is they joke about it. The characters see that they're actually leaving footprints on the ground as they're walking. Like, they, they make a play on... Hey, what if they were actually... You know what? You have to see the joke. I can't explain it. It's going to sound stupid. Sounds like one of those things where they buy the dance instructions and then they lose all the pages and the footprints are all over. Yeah, okay. You know what? I like that. shows up. I like that. 
I like dance movies and Step Up. I freaking love to use a Moransky word, this movie's sense of humor. Absolutely. Oh. Uh, number one, the map create, being created by the <laughs> fucking god damn it. The map being created by the probes in Prometheus. I really didn't think I was going to hear the word Prometheus from listeners ever, and especially tonight, when the group first enters the cavern system. That's the map, by the way. That, wait a minute. The map he's talking about, if I may interrupt Dave Perkins, please, uh, is uh, the one that Idris Elba's looking at when he goes, Yeah, you guys got some movement coming your way. Good night. I'm going to go fuck with <laughs> So the map reminds us that the movie's dub, doesn't it? It really does. That map, there's no reason to Yeah, they could have the probes die. Like, well, we don't know where the probes are. Good. We'll, just, we'll try and rescue you in the morning, but instead it's like, here they are. Here's the captain not giving a shit. Here's the same captain suicide running. Uh, Anne, Anne and Dave, I'm disappointed in both of you. <laughs> well, it wasn't the same map. Anne's in a way... Kind of well, okay, let's hear Dave Perkins's pitch. Maybe All right. Okay. I, I, I have to admit, perhaps, that it's the probes I've enamored of, I've enamored by, the way they scan the walls and hum off into the darkness, and not the map itself. All right, that's a pretty soft sell. I think. Yeah, but it's not your favorite map maker. No. It's your favorite map. That's his number one, too. <laughs> Dave Perkins, damn it, if you were on this podcast... You know what, though? Anybody who's going to introduce Emperor's New Groove into the conversation, I'm, I'm okay with that, though. He can pick whatever he wants. Blair Witch was his honorable mention, and his number one was Prometheus. I'm just saying. Okay. My, by far my favorite part of the movie that I simply enjoyed but couldn't scrutinize, lest it all fall to pieces, sort of like Elysium. Love your podcast. I'm going to like you on Twitter and tweet your iTunes page. Uh, let's see. Like us on Twitter and tweet our... Yeah, those work for me. Yeah. Kyle Cavino. Hey guys, thanks for the play. <laughs> I guess that's a little premature. Since I haven't gotten it yet, but still pretty cool. I did my best Dingus impression and said nice when you read my name. Right. Uh, Kyle, it was I tweeted when it was sent out. It, uh, Kyle, I think it went out on uh, Dingus sent it out on Wednesday or Thursday. So Kyle, you might have it now, and you're enjoying your own copy of Zombie Massacre. Congratulations. Oh wait, you know what? I'm dumb. I thought he was JKing, and it was for the script. <laughs> no, he won so our copy of... All right, so I shouldn't have read that. Which You're reminds welcome. me, as, as Dave alluded, uh, follow us on Twitter at, at QT3 and like us on Facebook. See, if you do that now and if people skip through the 3x3, three three, they're not going to do that. Do it after this podcast. Or don't listen to this part of the podcast till later. <laughs> All right, so what, is, what does Kyle have for us? Nothing. I just wanted to read you that. Okay. Paul Weimer writes, Hi, guys. I love me a good map. Narrowing down my choices was the hard part. Number three. <laughs> the map of the world in the Natural History Museum that Treat Williams' Xander Drax uses the two magical skull MacGuffins to laser point. Digus, do you know what movie this is? I'm so lost. Really? Okay, good, because I was too, and I thought maybe. Laser point the location of the third and last skull on in The Phantom. Wow. The Billy Zane purple thing movie. Tree Williams is the villain in that? That's one thing that you could say. Number two, the giant overlay map that shows the progress of Harrison Ford, not the rocks, Indiana Jones, across the world, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm so annoyed that, re- that Casablanca stole that from that movie. <laughs> and the guy from Wings stole it from... You know, you know who else is a better actor than Harrison Ford? Humphrey Bogart. Ew. What? Obviously. Thank you. 
Um, but The Rock's better than Humphrey Bogart. That's <laughs> your point. He's better than Lauren Bacall, but nobody's better than Humphrey Bogart. Number one of Paul Weimer's The Dwarvish Map of the Lonely Mountain, complete with moon letters in The Hobbit. Okay, this was the map in the... Okay, well, he writes, this is the map in the copy of The Hobbit that sparked my love of maps for fantasy novels, to which I would say, yeah, it's the map from the book, so you're disqualified. Best regards, Paul Weimer. <laughs> Kyle Cavino writes again, hey, I got the movie... <laughs> This is a second fail. You don't have to read those. I, mean, I guess go ahead. I just got the movie in the two notes in the mail today. Also, my mom just had, uh, Yeah, my just mom wants to say happy anniversary or for you guys to say happy birthday. So, sweet, bro. Love the podcast. Fuck you, Wad. <laughs> Philip Torta writes, number three, Seven Samurai, Akira Kurosawa, 1954. See, they don't write a long preface. They would give us the stats, which makes Tom happy. The hand-drawn map of the village that Cambay uses to plan the defense. I don't remember that. Do you, Tom? I don't, but I feel like I should. I mean, I, I, that's Tom such a... hand-drawn in 54 movies, weren't they? <laughs> Supposedly the CG map, yeah. Uh, the thing is that that movie is... Seven Samurai is so freaking dense. Yeah. Um, like, there's just so much to it. Oh, um, it's a map. Uh, yeah, of keep right, the seven, right? Oh. Right? Is that what you're going to say? Uh, no, I, I was just going to say nothing it's like a, that. Kelly. <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> but no, I love I love that he mentioned that. I was yeah. trying to think of maps that were drawn in dirt, and I couldn't think. Of well, uh, I, I was in. What was like, you know, oh, like sitting there, like before a battle. This is this is the this is the battle that's coming before us. I don't know if it's in Gettysburg or in Five or what. That that oh, I'm going to draw this in the dirt or whatever. Uh, I couldn't think of any of those maps. Franco, what, and what I was trying to think of, and I think the Seven Samurai one is probably a great example, uh, is a map that lays the groundwork for action choreography that's going to come. Right. That gives you a sense of place for where this is happening and how this relates to that over there. And I think Seven Samurai is probably an excellent example. I just don't remember a lot of the specifics. Maybe Guns of Navarone is a good one, too. They okay. just run up and throw a big old bomb in a bunker or whatever. Hmm. Two bunkers, <laughs> first off. Um, I fell asleep during the Guns of Navarone. <sighs> But you stayed awake during the uh, one with The Rock sequel, Barbara Bach. Yeah, Force, uh, Force 10. Force with, 10. With Dwayne From Johnson. Navarone. They're Force coming from Navarone after it's blown up to Force 10. <laughs> the cool thing about drawing a map with bunkers in the dirt is you, if you draw squares, it's accurate. <laughs> Philip Torta continues writing. That was me, by the way. An idiot. Uh, Philip Torta, number two, hit and run. Dak Shepard and David Palmer. Oh. Once again, hold on. Next to Emperor's New Groove, that's one of the best things to come up so far. Like I, I love that movie as well, and it needs it needs more credit. I don't remember a map though. So what does Philip say about the map in Terry's gay hookup app Pouncer that leads to oh. Tom Arnold getting? <laughs> well, I don't know about a map, but go ahead. Actually, start start from the beginning because that's beautiful. That's the whole thing. He writes. Oh. <laughs> Bill Torta is does have any fat. Just read it again, though. What's because I was giving you doesn't have skin. any fat except for all the parts of his body that are fat. Phil <laughs> Tarn, if you heard the uh, rest of the podcast, you won't be offended by that because Dingus is doing a uh, 
See what if he is? Never mind. Hit and Run, Jack Shepard and David Palmer, 2012. I guess Tom didn't mean for me to reread that part. The Map and Terry's gay hookup bat pouncer that leads to him and Tom Arnold getting together. That's Why funny. do I laugh every time I hear a gay man having sex with Tom Arnold? <laughs> uh, both of you guys would like Hit and Run, by the way. I think I've recommended it's it before. It's the name of a Kari Wurr movie. Um, but it's a, it's kind of I, I hesitate to call it a vanity project, but it, you know, Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell are a real life couple, and they cast themselves as the couple in this movie. And the movie has such a love for those, I guess, seventies chase movies that would normally have Steve McQueen and Ally McGraw, and it's a it's a latter day version of that kind of thing. And it's got a great Bradley Cooper performance and Dax Shepard who. I mainly think of as a, one of the funny guys in Idiocracy. He's really good in it, and they're both really good with each other, and there's some incredibly sexy cars in that movie. Oh, Jesus. So I, I heartily recommend Hit and Run. Sold. You got me. Yeah. You got my money. All right, good. A vanity project doesn't have to be bad, either, unless it's too right. smiths. Right. Yeah. But when you said Bradley Cooper, it reminded me that uh, Ben Affleck was cast as Batman this week. And oh, good. Yeah, let's talk about that for work. a while. It reminded me that uh, Silver Lightning's Playbook was your favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, it was. Over Goon, which I kind of feel dumb about. But um, the the consensus was, yeah, that's I can live with Ben Affleck as Batman, but Bradley Cooper is the voice of something, something in Guardians of the Galaxy, which I've never heard of. And they're like, oh, God, yeah. Oh, that's the that's the uh, James Gunn Marvel Avengers thing that where somebody – there's a raccoon and there's a tree lady. Yeah. Yeah, they were so really that's, that's, <laughs> the Ben Affleck is Batman thing, and I was thinking, oh god, you guys are gonna, you guys are looking forward to watching the Batman origin story again. Like I just felt old hearing it. Like, oh fuck, there's another Batman, really? It's like, it's like be living through Connery, lays and be more Pierce Brosnan. Anyway, number one, Philip Torta, best maps. That's what we're talking about. Not what I'm Rocket Raccoon is Dogville. Lars von Trier. I don't know that that's a map, but I like it. Go ahead. Map of Dogville drawn on the floor of the stage doubles as the town itself, resulting in you seeing everyone and everything. Have you guys seen Dogville? That's like calling a chalk outline of a murder victim a map. It's like calling a chalk outline of a murder victim a person. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That is a person, depending on the person. Rebuttal, Shelley. Uh... Chalk outlines have their perks. <laughs> Dogville's pretty fascinating. I like that pick. Yeah. It seems like in comedies, the chalk outline gag is always the same one where the guy notices he's outside it and then moves in it, even though I'm always thinking it would be funnier if the chalk outline didn't match him. Like it should be like a, like a, a Hitchcock profile. Kyle Cavino writes, hey guys, just wanted to tell you I brought the movie in from the mailbox, and <laughs> quality's really good. Thanks again. Big fan podcast. <laughs> Dan Edmonds writes, three best maps. Hey guys, not sure if I got this submission in on time, but here are my picks. We're not interested. JK. Uh, that's just me not interested. Tom and Dingham. Number three, Map from Pirates, Band of Misfits. What the fuck is that movie? <laughs> Where does the map in Elmer on a dude's head? And I remember thinking of the map in uh, Waterworld. It's on a girl's back, which seems like the dumbest place to put a map because she's going to grow in about a year, and the map's fucked up. Anyway, getting back to the listener submissions we're talking about. Uh, okay. Map from Pirates, Band of Misfits, Pirate Captain. 
Do either of you know what the hell this movie is? It's I, a Wallace, the Wallace and Gromit studio, isn't it? Didn't uh, they do a, a pirate animated movie? Oh, I thought they were talking about Roman Polanski movie. Band of Misfits. <laughs> Ultra Bathow is a misfit. Misfit <laughs> maker on the high seas. I mean, <clears throat> the pirate captain points to the map and says that there's a sea monster in the way. Darwin says that it's probably just there for decoration. But in the montage, there's an actual sea monster. <laughs> I'm really liking the listener sub-ups more than my offices. Like, I, I don't need to see the movie. They've some I know now. Number two, map. Oh, this is a good one. This is a great one. I feel dub, as usual. Map of Skull Island from Peter Jackson's King Kong. That was a great map, wasn't it, Tom? Or am I dub? For- uh, I don't remember it. Remind me. I just love the creepy face of what I guess is supposed to be King Kong, is why Dan liked it. I like that it was a very um, prosaic map that was just, like, if even hand-drawn. It looked, maybe it was supposed to be a throwback to the 30s Kong map, but it looked very, like, um, stripped down. And it was a map of the island. Like, you have no idea how they found the island from the map. Like, it's just a map of, like, a mountain <laughs> and a skull and a line on it. And uh, I, I thought that was really funny in the movie. Oh, holy cow! You just reminded me of something. Damn. And then they throw, and then Jack Black just lets it slip away because they find the island, and then it just like flies off into the ocean, like it's not an interesting relic anymore to them because they found it. Although now, how are they going to find their way back? But anyway, what were you going to say, Douglas? Nothing. Go ahead. I'll just save it for. Uh... All right. Uh, Dan Edmonds's number one is the Labyrinth Map from Wrath of the Titans. That's a movie we've all seen and talked about for three hours, and I can't remember one fucking shot from it, except the one, in space. So yes, the one that didn't suck. It didn't? Clash of the Titans was awful, but I, I seem to remember... Wrath, wait, I did not like Wrath of the Titans. Right, you were the holdout, I think Dingus and I... I liked it. I don't need to remember what, what Kelly said. Dingus and I appreciated parts of it yes it's like the conjuring tonight you go oh yeah we all love the conjuring and i was like what the hell's wrong am i why is this not scary and he goes, oh my god it's so scary Everyone's in the tank for that dumb movie remember how much we all liked catfish too <gasps> oh there's a t- by the way remember when i asked you if i wasn't sure if catfish the tv series was based on it and then right. i just flipped to it and i saw the dude talking to a guy about a woman going i don't know if i should divorce and i went oh like I, he tricked me into seeing his face again, even for two seconds. Was so there is a TV show based on the movie Catfish. Yeah, Catfish, the TV series. Awesome. The metaphor made no sense in the movie, but anyway, that guy's okay. The labyrinth map from Wrath of the Titans is a map for a labyrinth that is constantly shifting. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was kind of good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Uh, not really sure how it works, but it's it sure is interesting. And finally. Uh, Kyle Cavino writes that the movie broke and he needs another copy of it. <laughs> it's moving so it's dressed next week. <laughs> what do you got? Diggis, what's your runner-up? What, what did you think of when uh, Dan mentioned uh, the uh, Wrath of the Titans? Or King uh, I just remembered the map from Byzantium. What? I remember that. The map, to, the map to the island. Oh, yeah. I don't remember the physical map. What did it look like? It didn't. I, I don't know what it looked like. I just remember it being this great little box that you had to pass from person to person. Ah, right. It led you to this island, and when uh, when I guess he talked about that, and when 
when somebody reminded me of Waterworld, that that map leads you to an island, it just reminded me of Byzantium all of a sudden. And it, it was just... That makes me realize it's like a movie convention that if if you just get a map, the rest of it's easy. Like, okay, I'll find a guy who will keep his trap shut about Skull Island or a vampire island. I'll buy I'll hire boatmen who will take me to an island and watch me apparently die and bats fly out and they won't mention it to anybody. And they'll know which island I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? It's a MacGuffin map. Oh my god. I liked in uh I might be the only one who really enjoyed this as much as I did, but uh, I liked the uh, montage of Captain America dismantling all the Hydra installations throughout Nazi Europe. Uh, that had that had a, a sort of a map overlay during that montage of action sequences. <laughs> Was there? Yeah, yeah. Showing like where instead of having all these separate action sequences, just a montage of him doing cool stuff, and then there's pictures of you know it's a map of the Nazi occupied. I guess part yeah. of Europe, and he's running around tearing up Nazi Europe. Yeah. Wait, what happens on the shutdown and facilities? It's like an axe or a skull over the skull that is Hydra's emblem. Are they arrows? I don't remember. Does the skull turn into like a face because it's not a skull anymore, and it's like canceled out the skull. I wish they'd hired you to do that uh, art direction on that map. <laughs> no, that's Kelly Wand. No one wishes that. Do you guys remember the top secret map? Um, oh, I wish. I like. Even saying the words, which one? Where is it in the movie? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's basically a joke on Raiders of Lost Ark, it, where when the dots appear, a Pac Man comes and eats the dots. Oh yeah, that's kind of cute, Tom. I don't know, like Pac Man's video games. No, yeah, <laughs> Pac Man jokes don't play anymore. Sorry, dated. It was eighty. What was it? Tinkus eighty five. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, hey, sure. you know what? A uh, uh, good comedy should be timeless. Uh, I also, if if you're going to choose the Raiders of the Lost Ark map, I I prefer the Last Crusade Crescent Moon map that uh, Sean Connery has written in his little journal. Uh, That's a good one. I'm surprised no one mentioned the Raiders one where he puts the staff in the thing. It's not a map. Yeah, it's not a map. It's a diorama. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. And I couldn't think of any, like, I couldn't think specific. Uh, drawing in the dirt maps, but I remember. In, do you guys remember in the way back? Um, oh yeah, where there, where one of the dudes draws a map in the snow. It's uh, uh, yeah, 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 definitely. And doesn't he like? That's why they have to bring him along or something because he knows where they are. Or, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I just remember him along. drawing a map in the snow. Yeah. Uh, there's I, a bit in We're the Millers where. Um, <laughs> Jason, Jason Sudeikis gets pulled over by a corrupt Mexican cop played by Luis Guzman. And uh, Luis Guzman says, look, I know you guys are hauling marijuana, um, so uh, you're going to have to bribe me. And Jason Sudeikis is like, oh, well, how much? Uh, and Luis Guzman is like, well, maybe you have something in your RV that would be better than money. You know, either give me a thousand or there's something in the RV that I'm interested in. So Jason Sudeikis says to Jennifer Aniston, you're going to have to hook up with this guy. And Louise Guzman is like, no, no, no. I like men. So Jason Sudeikis has to administer oral sex to Louise Guzman. What? But he instead is going to get the little dorky kid to do it. So, they have a, so he says to the dorky kid, 
who hasn't heard the plan and he lays out this thing in the dirt with little pieces saying, okay, here's where we are. There's the cop over there. Here's the bush he's in front of. I'm going to stay here by this rock. You go around here and suck his dick. What? Uh, that sounds funny. Uh, you know what? And, and unfortunately, it's it's the it's one of the few funny bits in where the Millers. Wait, what happens? Oh, then they find out as the boy he talks the boy into doing it, and the boy's going to go over there and, and give oral sex to Luis Guzman. And Luis Guzman is like, "Is is someone going to suck my dick? Or are you going to pay me a thousand pesos?" And Jason Sudeik is like, "Oh, I thought you meant dollars, because pesos it's just like fifty bucks. So here, here's fifty bucks." Um, Wait, it would have been funny if he would have said. Oh, uh, yeah, and then he still wants <laughs> Right. So that's there's a diagram on the, the dirt in, in where the Miller Now I want to see that dirt drawing, but not the whole movie. Well, you got to watch the whole thing, Kelly Wan, sorry. Dingus was shocked by what you described, it sounded like. By the way, I wasn't saying the word. I was quoting the movie, just folks listening. I don't, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't talk that coarsely, of course. He didn't say the word map. Uh, uh, there's a big old map in Inglorious Bastards, right? In the uh, Michael Myers scene, or is it just the globe? It's a globe, isn't it? Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of like big maps where like people push like uh, tanks and whatnot around on a map, like uh, like what Tom's talking about with the Captain America. Well, I think Anne's choice for Elizabeth is probably I, – I haven't seen it, but I'm guessing she was referencing something like that. All right. Yeah. So huh. – all right. Are you guys ready for next week's 3 by Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. yes, Kelly Wand, yes. I wanted to say – what was the bad movie that Dingus said that had a good map in it? <laughs> Take Star Wars? Oh, yeah, way back. That's – I thought it was – that's good. But, like, uh, remember that really bad movie we saw called uh, Sanctum? About the underwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember there was a really cool map of the underwater caves, and the whole movie is because they're mapping it, even there's no reason to map it that I could ascertain. Oh, that's a good choice, actually. It is but a good choice. Yeah, it was a really cool-looking map, and it winds up not having much bearing, although I think they're supposed to know it that well, although we don't really remember it. But it was it just kept going on and on. You go, oh, wow, it's like a really long... Like you got a sense of how labyrinthine the caves right. were. That's a good pick, Kelly Wand. Yeah, I'm a really glad good we, pick. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that before I moved on. Very good. Also, three people entered, in quotes, mm-hmm. to get that script. So you have to uh, yeah, so Kelly Wand, is there a uh, contest this week? Yeah. The, right. uh, Explain the contest, what's what's going on here. Because Dingus and I don't know. This is all your, your deal. I thought I explained this and kept backtracking and over-explaining it to the point where it became perfectly clear what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend we're Kelly Wand and talk to us. Uh, all right. There's a script of the Green Lantern that Robert Smigel, the Triumph the Comic Dog guy, wrote when they were thinking it was going to be a comedy movie, and then fan reaction led to their going with the Ryan Reynolds version that none of us saw or podcasted about. But I have a copy of the Robert Smigel one, so three people entered out of everyone who listens to this podcast. <laughs> And gave a shit about getting it. Or were able to figure out what I meant to say and actually believed it existed and thought, worst case scenario, Tom will roll a die. So, Tom, yes. give your die handy. Uh, I can get it what, what, just for three people. So I'm rolling a six-sided die. I've rolled a one. What? Is that what did you now want me to roll a die? Did you really roll a die or did you just pick the number no, one? No, I really rolled one. It's, it's made of rubber. Here, here's the sound of it. 
you hear that? It's like a rubber die. As a matter of fact, I've tried to use this in board games, and some of my friends have been like, that's not a die, that's a freaking eraser. You're supposed to use that as an eraser. <laughs> but it's an actual six-sided die. I think it's perfectly viable as a six-sided die. I just look. I'll roll more numbers. There's another one. There's a five. There's a three. Another three. But yeah, it, it rolls numbers. It works. Now Tom's enjoying it. <laughs> but All the right. first number I rolled when you asked me was a one. So Okay, then that means COCN wins the script. So send in your address because you didn't. And uh, the the losers were Gratsby and Guest. <laughs> Someone just point, just signed up to, to get a shot at it. It doesn't even doesn't even couldn't come up with didn't even come up with a name. Worst contest ever. <laughs> You're welcome, <laughs> listeners. Uh, so we saw this this week a movie you might have fast forwarded. I don't want to ruin anything, but we saw a movie this week called Your Next. And one of the things I love and rarely get in horror movies is when I see something I haven't seen before. And I saw in Your Next something I have never seen before with a blender, which I really <laughs> appreciated. Uh, and it made me think. Uh, I want to talk about our favorite horror movie kills. Uh, <laughs> So favorite can mean anything. It can be an unprecedented one. It could be a particularly impactful one, uh, or it can just be a, a, a cool gimmick. Um, so I want us to talk about – I want you to send in – actually, Kelly Wan and Dingus, I want you to pick your three favorite horror movie kills. Uh, and if you're listening, send in your favorite horror movie kills. Uh, pick them. What do you like and why? Send them to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com that's the number three, the letter X, the number three, at, and you spell out quarter2three.com, and we'd love to read your picks on the air next week. Uh, also, the greatest topic I can remember. Oh, good. I'm, glad, I'm, well, at, I'm at such a disadvantage here. Well, you know what, Dingus, you're not, because I think people who aren't super into horror movies will pick different kinds of things than guys like me and Kelly Wand, who see all kinds of crappy horror movies. You're not at a disadvantage, you're just using a different tool set. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you tried to keep a straight. Come on, no, but it's true. It's like saying he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's like, you're using Every, different tools. Who's a special okay. dingus? Kelly one, remember when we did our favorite horror movie monsters and Dingus watched like one of those giant piranha movies and picked the giant piranha from like uh, I thought you made him watch and go, dude, you gotta see this one. Oh, it was poor Dingus casting about for horror movie monsters. I think they were Cabra. Uh, I don't uh, so at any rate, everybody knows what this means. Uh, we don't need any elaboration. Just your favorite horror movie kills. Send in your picks. Join us next week. We'll talk about our picks. Uh, and next week we're going to see um, – I don't know what to tell you about this. The movie is called – I believe it's called Closed Circuit. It's directed by a fellow named John Crowley, who Dingus and I know as the director of a movie we loved called Boy A – which is where Andrew Garfield got his start. Uh, it's him and Peter Mullen. Uh, Boy A, amazing piece of work. Unfortunately, nobody saw it. So see Boy A, but more specifically, see John Crowley's latest movie, Closed Circuit, which uh, opens next weekend. We'll be talking about it here, um, and we look forward to you joining us. So uh, also follow us on Twitter at, at QT3, like us on Facebook, and please rate us on iTunes. We love it when you do that. Uh, Kelly Wan, are there any contests next week? No, I ran out of scripts. <laughs> uh, so join us next week. I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian McClinsky. It's Christian Moroski. And Kelly Wan. Hmm. Oh, I mean...
song now what the heck oh god i love it so much it makes me think of that girl it picked it Dings, did you love it before the movie you've never heard this song before. no you i love never it heard it I, I figured they'd written it for the movie and to find out that it's an older song i'm nuts about it wait they wrote it for the movie what i said was <laughs> <laughs> no it's a it's a guy named dwight twilly i mean i looked this up it's it's uh it's one of his songs from the mid seventies, is that right, Dingus? Yeah. Yeah, it's just some pop song from the mid seventies they got from somewhere. Why do you like it, Dingus? Uh, it's just the perf that so if you're gonna put a song on a repeat for that beginning, it's perfect. <laughs> and it just it's a great earworm. I don't know why, it's just perfect. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. It does have a definite earworm quality. That's back when they wrote songs that were supposed to be happy. You know, the, what's funny is for the, in the trailer, and I saw, oh, when, yeah. I, you know, when the, when the trailer first came up, as soon as I saw Joan, Joe Swanberg, I knew that it was for your next, and I stopped watching. But the trailer opens with the girl putting a CD in, and then putting the, sliding the drawer in, pressing play, and Lou reads, uh, It's a Perfect Day. Is that actually the name of the song? Really? It's a Perfect Day? But yeah. this haunting Lou Reed song, which I think a lot of folks know from Train Spotting, starts playing. And I love that song, and I love the juxtaposition of that song with crazy horror movie imagery. Um, so I was at first disappointed that they didn't have Perfect Day in the actual movie. Uh, but yeah, Dingus, I've totally been earwormed by this stupid thing, I guess. But it's in Train Spotting, so they had to do something new, right? Well, they they they, they didn't use this. Yeah, you, you, it, it's a different situation to get rights for a trailer than for the movie. So I don't know if Adam Wingard originally wanted Perfect Day to be in the movie, but this the, the boppiness of this is just so perfect for your next, the way it's used there. So it was their plan for her to hear that all day? Or the neighbors? I guess there weren't any the neighbors. No, because the girl put it in and put repeat on it. Yeah, but they were there later, or at Durig. And they could have gone. We should probably turn this off. If do you have any Vicodin? <laughs> uh, can we start the real podcast now? <laughs> <laughs>